It's actually a really good garlic bread. Garlic bread is my favorite food. I could honestly eat it for every meal or just eat it all the time without even stopping. <laughs> you get fat. No, why would I get fat? Bread makes you fat. Bread makes you fat? Welcome to Fansplainers. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And today we're going to be talking about, as normally we talk about movies that are out right now, uh, but uh, you may have heard stuff's going on outside and the theaters are for the most part. Some theaters are open. This is true. Some theaters are open, but most theaters are not. So uh, we've been uh, looking at uh, things that have been streaming. We've been asking you to vote on things. Uh, this week was a very busy week for both of us because we also did the Sneaky Dragon 450th anniversary show, which was uh, about six hours and 45 minutes long. <laughs> so uh, we're both insane right now from uh, doing that. So we're letting you know that. So we picked a movie uh, that we both uh, kind of know. In fact, I would say it's probably close to being my favorite film. And that is Scott. Oh, and then Dave uh, dropped something while I was about to say it. But I'm going to say it now. I did, did I drop something? Did you hear something drop? I heard I heard something drop and kind of uh, break. Yeah. Uh, unless you've got ghosts. Do you have ghosts? Because legally you have to tell me. I was just, was just an SD card that fell <laughs> Fell f- very good. Too late. Oh, no, I dropped a spoon down. That's it sounds good. like that you're eating. Are you eating right now? Do you have like cutlery in front of you? And you're, uh, Who, me? Y- yeah, it sounds like you got a knife and fork right now that you're uh, just like playing with. Uh, no, I did have a spoon. I, w- I was just playing with, playing with a spoon and a scissor, a pair of scissors there. So Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we're Canadian. We like playing with spoons and scissors. It's the old game. Hey, speaking <laughs> of uh, things that are Canadian-ish, mm-hmm. uh, that, that leads us to what we're uh, talking about today, which is the film uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, directed by Edgar Wright and based on the graphic novel uh, or comic book, just call it a comic book, by Brian <laughs> Lee O'Malley, who um, I believe is a Canadian. Um, yes. And, uh, and David, uh, what, yeah, you've watched this movie. You, you saw it in theaters. I did. I did see it in theaters. And I have to say, at the time when I saw it, I was I was disappointed by it. Okay. Um, I think the movie was spoiled for me by, I think, a very poor ad campaign that basically decided the way to make people go see a movie was to show them the entire movie in a series of trailers that by the time you went to see the movie, you were just like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah I remember that. Oh, I remember that scene as well. Oh, there, there's that part. Mm, oh, I saw that part of the trailer as well. Oh, here's another one that I saw. And that's the last time that I ever, like, binge-watched a bunch of trailers for something that I was looking forward to. Okay. Um, now we taught discussed... me a lesson. Okay, we've talked about this on uh, the Sneaky Dragon podcast a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you say that, listen, however you feel about something is however you feel about something. So if you feel that way, then you feel that way. That's how you felt. And you felt it was ruined for you. Then it was, uh, it was ruined for you. Yeah. The, I the think, I think a lot, a lot more highly of it now. Okay. Like I, I own it say- on DVD and, or on Blu-ray and I, and I, it's a movie that I, I quite often throw in to watch. My disagreement, uh, uh, on just a straight, mathematical level uh, <laughs> on that is that the trailers are a minute and a half to two minutes long. Mm-hmm. And, and it's unlike 
say, a Will Ferrell movie, where there are uh, there are lead-ups to comedic situations, and if you reveal the comedic situation, then, yeah, you're watching the movie and going, well, I know what's coming. Here it is. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But to me, this film is the most densely packed Edgar Wright movie, and, oh, sure. and most of his movies are very densely packed. So uh, there's so many jokes that I can't see how, you know... Uh, even even like ten percent of them could have been spoiled, really, uh, by by the trailer. There's so much, you know. Every every line sets something up, pays something off. There's a reaction. Meanwhile, there's a ba- something in the background. That background thing is paying off something else, you know, that's going to come up or has already occurred. It is uh, it is so. Pa- it, it reminds me of say like an Alan Moore uh, comic, like A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where mm-hmm. you've got the basic storyline. But there's so much, or even yeah, hell, we'll go with original Watchmen. But there's but there's so much stuff going on that uh, even if you sort of know where it's going, you know, there's uh, it's 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 so dense that you can still uh, still enjoy it, and there'll still be you know infinite jokes that you will not have uh, have heard and uh, and the thing. And also, they didn't play any of the music really in the in the trailers. Like, yeah, I thought that really was did... I thought that was really silly. I thought the trailers missed kind of miss. I missed the missed the mark. I guess I would say, and that they didn't they didn't play the music. Okay. They didn't really accentuate the action elements of the film, which there are quite a bit. It's quite a bit of action in the movie, but they left out like the kind of superhero elements of it. I forgot. It's been a while since I saw the trailers, to be honest with you. So maybe I'm okay. I may be misremembering, and there was way I, more I, action than I than I, I saw. Remember. I saw the trailers, and then I also was in San Diego Comic Con that year where. You know, the Scott Pilgrim poster was the side of a hotel and a big hotel. <laughs> like I got the promotional pitch. Yeah. So, um, and I was I was very very much looking forward to it because uh, I loved um, Shaun of the Dead, which I had also seen in San Diego for mm. the very first time, mm-hmm. and blew me away. I before then I'd been a fan of uh, his TV show with Simon Pegg, um, Space, Space yeah. which I think this is the most like of any of his other things because it's a, uh, it's filtered through it's, it's real emotions filtered through a pop culture lens with surrealistic elements that couldn't exist really in the real world. Mm-hmm. But then, it, you know, it all keeps coming back to the emotions are, 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 are the thing, but yeah, I really loved uh, Shaun of the dead and, and that was so dense, but then you got hot fuzz which, because like the problem with with Shaun of the Dead, not that it's a problem, you've got zombies and zombies are slow, and so that slows down your movie. Yeah. And then you've got Hot Fuzz, and that's faster because it's an action movie. You're doing a, a riff on Point Break and cop movies. Like all right, but now we're moving it up to video games, and like now we're really going dense, 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 dense to the point where where you do uh, the end of the world. I think is his next movie, and they had to like slow it all back down again. But this one is the most just jam packed mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with everything. Yep, that's true. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. That's very true. Okay. It's a very <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> uh, excuse me, everyone. I um I was haying, so I have a bit of hay in my throat. You might want to explain <coughs> what that is. What's that, sorry? I don't think that's a word that when when you say like what it like I I was haying. Yeah. It's like, well, I think people need to know what that means. Oh, okay. Well, it's uh, summertime here in the uh, where I live in Aldergrove, which is a rural area, and so uh, the hay is ready. And I spent part of my afternoon after work today uh, bringing in hay. So we were uh, out in the field loading the hay onto uh, hay wagons, and then bring it to the barn, and then 
using a an elevator, which is like a, a kind of a conveyor belt for hay, bring it up into the barn and uh, stacking it up there. So I think we brought in about a thousand bales. Nice this afternoon. So yeah, well done. See, and, and what else? Uh, what other podcast hosts are going to be doing that? <laughs> what other what other sane ones? I think you mean to say. exactly. Now, no, just back to the. Uh, I was just going to say one thing, which I, maybe for me Please? that something that went over my head in the film is uh, it maybe is the video game elements, which maybe some of them I miss, some of them are obvious, some of them I know from playing uh, Mortal Kombat and stuff like that, and but um, maybe some of that was a little lost to me. I don't know, and maybe. The movie is a very densely packed film, and I have shown it to other people, and they have not enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that it's so dense that it maybe requires a second viewing to kind of get the full feeling of it. I think some people feel a bit of fatigue from it, and that might have been a factor as well. But really, for me, it just felt like a lot of the really good jokes in the film had been spoiled by the trailer. And uh, and then, yeah, and I feel like they just kind of like concentrated on the comedy side to the detriment of the of the film because the film is more than just a comedy it's you know has a lot of stuff going on a lot of layers yeah the uh it's it's pretty much like it's a christmas carol you have a reprehensible character uh they don't really play that he is the most reprehensible character but he is he is a bad guy off the top and that's your that's your protagonist he's uh, selfish i don't know if he's reprehensible he's not like a murderer or anything he's, but he's like he's he has well, a bit neither, of a neither is scrooge he's a bit scrooge. of a bit of a jerk well scrooge is it's just a jerk he's a jerk but he's also you know the meanest thing he does really is say uh you got to come in to work early tomorrow that's that's scrooge that's like you know he doesn't give uh the poor money we we do see him like uh take his boss's business away when we see the back the flashbacks oh later on so yeah he's not a he's not a totally uh, and then later on you find out what scott pilgrim did to some people and then you find out more about scott but Mm -hmm. like when you start off it's it is a tale of uh, you know a kind of a, a bad guy. Yeah. And um, a friend of mine that lost him right off the top. Okay. Like, just, why do I care what happens to this person? Which I could understand even with something like a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Like why do I care that this miser uh, is going to you know uh, go through? Like I I, I love that uh, George Bailey in A Wonderful Life you know has a has a wonderful journey and things work out yeah. well, why do i care about the guy who's rich you know <laughs> who's doing well for himself who's mean to everybody oh and things and, and things are good for him at the end what why would i do that and so they felt that way about the scott pilgrim character uh, and we went into the um uh you know redemption arc story arc interesting. Uh, with this. yeah i liked i like the different directions they went with this that were very much opposed to a traditional... Like, the thing that bugs me about this is, you know, I, I get there's people who love Twilight. And that's all great that you love Twilight. If you like Twilight, great that you love Twilight. But Twilight, to me, has such horrible messages to it. Mm. And it's all about selfishness and rewarding selfishness and a person becoming more and more selfish, you know, through through the through the movie. And this is the opposite of that. And also, it's incredibly slow. And and actually has one of the same uh, actors in it now that I'm thinking about it. Um, and that's yeah, true. Anna Kendrick is in both movies. And they did, and, and it was just such a huge success. People, yeah, that's what we want. And then <laughs> this, which was so densely packed, with such a great message and so funny, and with such great such great music. Yeah. And uh, and just a just a joy. And uh, I think it just got confusing to people, like they didn't know what it was. You couldn't mm-hmm. describe it. Yeah. So, you know, and. And yeah, so they stayed away. When when you're saying like that, the trailer ruined things. I just don't think people showed up. So whatever the trailer, whatever the trailer did, it no, just... no, I'm talking about for myself. I don't. I'm not yeah. talking about for the general public. I agree with you that I think the movie 
I don't know if it was confusing. I just feel like I just feel like maybe it was confusing to the marketing people and they weren't sure what to do with it. So they kind of like latched on to the funniness of it and thought that was enough to sell it. But I think I think you need to for for a film like that that yeah is confusing. I think you do need to at least highlight the disparate elements of it that that make it into something that's really a wonderful film to watch because the humor is great, of course, but the action scenes are great. The the love story is great. You know, they could have done they could have done like a series of of um, trailers that concentrate on one character. You know what I mean? So you could have ones that were knives, ones that were for for Ramona, ones that were for Scott. You know, and just kind of like and maybe Stephen Stills, so like just sort of highlight the different elements of it. So Stephen Stills brings out the music of the film, Ramona brings out the the love story, Knives brings out the love story, I guess as well, and and some of the comedy with her with her over with her enthusiastic personality. Uh, just and I think they could have. I don't know. Just somehow, I feel like the movie yeah, needed some way to needed an entryway for the audience, and it's hard because it's it's not a familiar, you know, like Twilight had a kind of built-in audience. It already was a sensation before it was a movie. You know, like the novel was a huge was a huge deal for everyone. Um, like you know, like before it was a movie, like kids were losing their minds over it. So it had a built-in. But whereas you know, Scott Pilgrim. You know, it was a graphic novel, so it's kind of a little bit different than than Twilight in terms of right. popularity and. And it's a it's a female protagonist in uh, in Twilight that you're following, mm-hmm. which you know uh, then is an easier entry point for that audience. Sure. Then you know again you're starting off with a person who is kind of is a jerk. Yeah. And uh, and where do you where do you go from there? But uh, we'll get to where they end up going uh, <laughs> from from there. Sure. Uh, now. Uh, the first, uh, the first thing that you see, we'll 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 go through it basically. Like, here's here's how here's how we do. We uh, we we usually uh, go to Wikipedia, uh, which reminds our brains of how we do. But Wikipedia again has been uh, not good, so I'm using a different uh, plot okay. Uh, place. Okay. Uh, I'm trying my best, and we're going to see how it goes. Sure. Uh, but like this this movie, I was looking forward to, and it starts off with a title sequence. First of all. That it starts off like in the magical land of Toronto. So as a Canadian, I'm in right yeah. from the get-go. That's yeah, you're right, Toronto. It's magical, and I do think they set up a very magical version of Toronto. I like you know, when- I, before even that. I do like that it also starts with a, like a digitized version of the Universal theme. So you get like the pixel yes. later version, but you also get like a video game, a kind of primitive video game, uh, you know, uh, soundtrack of the. Which is nice. I like that people have fun with the Universal theme. It seems like it's so iconic. Because in Pitch Perfect as well, they just they have it sung a cappella as if it's being done by the Pitch Perfect people before the movie starts. And this is the first of two Universal theme gags that will be in this movie. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, it starts off then with a uh, an opening title sequence that's very. Uh, tell me if I'm getting this name right because they sometimes get it wrong. Uh, Norman uh, Norman McLuhan, the Norman, animator. Oh, Norman McLaren. Yeah. Claren, yeah, with, Norman the, with, with the scratched uh, and painted cell, you know, uh, film stock. So yeah, yeah. who's a Canadian animator, maybe best known for the film short film Neighbors, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, kind of a stop motion uh, thing with two uh, fellas uh, fighting, and uh, we had to watch it in school. Yeah, you were forced to watch it in school, so you'd be afraid of nuclear war. But with um, a disturbing soundtrack that was created by scratching the audio track of the film stock, so he created. He created the kind of electronic sound before, uh, very early on anyway, very proto-electronica. <clears throat> yeah, so just off the top again, we're getting a bit of Canadiana there. 
And so again, as a Canadian, like, ooh, we're doing that. Uh, then, I love yeah, that thing. I wish I wish they had done the trailers using using more of that element um, with with that music playing with the uh, I don't know what that song's called, but uh, but using that song, using that that aesthetic, and kind of highlighting the you know using that kind of maybe doing like intercut intercutting between you know fighting and other parts of the film using that just to kind of make it look more I don't know exciting <laughs> sure uh and it does but the film does start uh quite exciting you oh see yeah the band he's in a band he's practicing he's he's practicing with uh a fellow named steven stills i so love of course i love that reference young neil a uh, nice reference to mm-hmm. neil young canadian mm-hmm. uh musician and uh kim pine i don't know if there's a pun there uh who's so. a drummer who, who we used to uh well, she does. Maybe she does pine for him. I don't know. Maybe that's the, the <laughs> bit. Uh, who's a uh, who's a uh, broke up with Scott and is still carrying some baggage and is annoyed with him. And he seems oblivious to the whole situation. In fact, he seems generally oblivious uh, through uh, through the whole beginning. Yeah. To um, what his actions? What his actions uh, cause or create? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Can I just point out before we go too much further that uh, Brian Leo Melly found like the chose some of the best names for the for his book uh which of course show up in the the film i just think that uh kim pine's great but ramona flowers is a fantastic name scott pilgrim's a great name knives chow knives yeah, chow oh, is great yeah that's a fantastic well scott name. pilgrim uh, they, he didn't come up with that one right so oh is that right where did that come from that's plum tree uh that's the band plum tree had a song called scott pilgrim oh, okay okay yeah, and so he named uh, he named the character after after that, and the the song Scott Pilgrim is performed by Plum Tree in the film. Mm, mm. Yep, but you're right; it's a fine name. <laughs> Agreed. And Knives Chow is just a hell of a name. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just so it's so weird. You know, it's sort of it's sort of as weird as Stephen Stills because of course Stephen Stills is maybe not as well known nowadays to the readers of of Scott Pilgrim, but. You know, he was a well-known musician, part of Crosby, Stills and Nash. So it just seems, and Young, I guess, if you want to throw Neil Young into that, it just seems like a weird choice, but it's a great choice. Yeah, this is a world uh, that has video games, but it also is a video game. It yeah. goes with video game rules. Okay, and no one is too surprised when anything happens. Things are magic. People can melt snow when they walk by it or rollerblade uh, through it. Yeah. Yeah, basically, you know, you would think like uh, someone, someone can have telepathic powers and people aren't shocked by this. Mm-hmm. They just, you, know, you just need a simple explanation. It blends all, all these pop culture uh, worlds together, but then uh, goes to the bland, bland, bland normalcy of Canada. And we get that, <laughs> you know, after they, you see them rocking out, they're having breakfast and just spreading some jam on dry toast. Yeah. Cause they're, they're broke. Yeah. And uh, eating their eating their uh, jam toast, and it just felt no. This is Canadian. This is very very Canadian. <laughs> uh, all they need is like um, uh, milk in a bag, and I don't know if they had that. But uh, I don't think that's so. All you need. No, well, they missed probably, opportunity. They probably thought no one would believe it. Could could be. Yeah, that's the one unbelievable thing. <laughs> you can have giant monsters fighting at a concert, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, milk in a bag. <laughs> uh, and, and 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 Scott casually uh, brings up that he is dating. Uh, Knives Chow, who is a 17-year-old, yeah, high schooler. Mm. Uh, he is 22, and uh, which impresses uh, Stephen Stills. Might be a bit of a creep. Um, <laughs> uh, Kim is kind of disgusted by this whole idea. Uh, young Neil is just happy to be there, 
And uh, we're, we're kind of learning a little bit about Scott and, uh, you know, that Scott really cares about Scott, you know, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and and he doesn't care who who he hurts. Uh, and and Knives shows up to uh, band practice that uh, they don't want. Uh, they, the, the band is, is shocked by this. He didn't let uh, them know. There was no notice. He didn't let her know that they didn't know. Uh, when he goes up to open the door for her, he tells her to basically be normal. And she's <laughs> like, what? Uh, why am I not normal? Eh, just come on in. And yeah, you get like, oh, he's this kind of guy. Um, you also get Stephen Sills closing the door and saying, uh, is she going to geek out? He's like, no, no, she'll be perfectly fine. No, no, I want her to geek out. <laughs> Oh, uh, she's got. She'll geek out. She geeks. <laughs> oh she yeah, geeks and and Scott's uh, basic thing with her is that uh, he likes being around her because she's simple. It, well, not that she's simple, but yeah. things are simple. Yeah, and all they've done is almost ho- held hands. Yeah, which is a good move because if you had off the top that he was seeing her to sleep with her, that makes him too much of a creep. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he's irredeemable. Yeah. But because they've never really done anything physical. Mm-hmm. Then it's just like, yeah, this is an emotional game. It's not fair to her. It's wrong, but it's not. Mm, it's not past. It's not past the line. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, you see them once again performing, and she's uh, she's just fawning over it, and just <laughs> couldn't be happier to have a rock star boyfriend. Uh, I love her reaction, partly because she's obviously someone who has been very, uh, um, you know, kind of kept away from popular culture and. And lived a very narrow life. She's a goes to Catholic uh, private school, and you know her parents obviously don't let her listen to rock and roll music because she talk, does, She says she knows p- uh, pianists, but she doesn't really know any musicians. And yeah. so she's she's obviously been very. Uh, uh, there's a word for it, but I can't think of it now. So it's such a common word, and yet there I am stuck. <laughs> stuck. But uh, yeah, so you know her reaction to this is p- partly like hearing rock and roll for the first time for her. You know, like this is the greatest thing I've ever heard, you know? Yeah. And this is a thing that guys like Scott do is they're that little bit older. So mm-hmm. they're that little bit cooler Yeah, and they can impress the, the person who's, you know, a couple of years younger than them. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's a very realistic thing, even though it's done in a very surrealistic way throughout the movie. But uh, yeah, I'm like, Oh, this guy. And he, <laughs> and, he, and he shows even more when he's walking with her and uh, they arrive at his place. So basically, he's walking her to his place, mm. not to her place. Yeah. Uh, and uh, doesn't invite her in because, you know, no girls allowed. Not true. <laughs> Just doesn't want that. And then asks if uh, he wants, she wants to see the house he grew up in. And she's like, oh, yeah. And he just points across the street. There's that house he grew up in. So you get to And the house is, uh, the house, I, I reread the first or part of the first book last night and today uh-huh. at work. And that the house in the uh, graphic novel is the exact house that they use in the film. So it must. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So it must have been like Brian Lee O'Malley went and said, "Oh yeah, if you just go here, you can just take you can." And they must have gone to the people and said, "Do you mind if we use your house for this movie?" And they're like, "Sure," because it's the exact same house, exactly the same. And it's just uh, it's just nice seeing that uh, Scott just hasn't matured. <laughs> He's just gone a few feet from his house. It's all about comfort. Something you know, that does, some, doesn't have a bed. Yeah. He doesn't have furniture. <laughs> he's just not gone anywhere. He's not done anything. Yeah. He has not grown up. Yeah. Yeah. Something that the, the book kind of highlights more than the film, which is that his parents have sold the house and, and it feels like there's kind of a d- divide between them. And in the uh, book, he, he scratches, he kind of scratches above his eye and it's kind of like, he's like trying to like not get upset about, about it. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. So it's sort of interesting. The movie kind of d- doesn't really go there because it it has way less time to play with than than the book series, which of course is five books. So it has ample time to stretch out and relax. <laughs> go on. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I, I like that they uh, they use snow well. Mm. Snow makes things seem very magical as well. Mm-hmm. It gives that real crunching yeah. uh, feeling. And again, as a Canadian, you're just like, oh, yeah, 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 I get this. Um, it, it's and, and that, just, and there's it, that feeling of there's that kind of um, feel that Canadian thing where you like that people don't really feel the cold the same way. So yeah, you know, like it's a classic thing here in Canada that in the wintertime you will in- invariably see some guy walking down the road wearing shorts like with bare mm-hmm. legs in the middle of wintertime. And you're like, what? <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a something about us hardy, hardy Canadians that we, yeah, no one's ever complaining about the cold and, and this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, but uh, he is, uh, you know, he is not going to walk her home and she is going to walk home in the cold alone. <laughs> and uh, he did not uh, bring her to the house uh, to that, uh, to that rehearsal. He is, it's because it doesn't matter. It's all about him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he goes into his apartment and tells his uh, roommate, uh, Wallace Wells, uh, who's a, just a great character. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just, uh, yeah. Uh, he, he, he just has such a great variety of boyfriends uh, through this. And it's just. Most notably so other Scott. What's that? Most notably other yeah. Scott. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's. Oh, Damn, I love I love that character so much. Anyway, <laughs> he's, uh, a, he's so, a real he's a real gossip. Yep, he's a uh, he seems to be underwriting Scott's existence though, because as the the diagram of ownership shows us in the film, everything belongs to Wallace except for the clothes on the floor, which belong to Scott and his coat, which is not as good as Wallace's. Yep, that's it. The he's definitely like taking he he definitely cares about Scott. Yeah. Uh, but knows that this is not healthy for Scott. And also yeah. he has seen the, like, I, he seems like the kind of guy who likes to watch trouble, but at, by this point he's seen enough trouble and knows none of this is healthy and it's gotta, yeah. Yeah. it's gotta stop. Uh, so Scott, uh, says that he's, tells him, you know, he's dating a high school girl, tells him not to tell his sister, uh, immediately has called the sister without Scott seeing this. And the sister is called Scott. Yeah. And that is Anna Kendrick as a uh, Stacy. Yeah. And uh, she's very upset by this uh, and yells at him, and uh, uh, rightfully so. And then we go into a dream sequence. And this is a dream sequence where Scott is in a desert. Yes. And, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, a girl with, uh, with pink hair and roller skates uh, skates by and lets him know he's just dreaming. And then uh, he wakes up, uh, tells, tells Wallace about this as well as the other Scott that you mentioned, who is Wallace's boyfriend. That's something I was wondering about. In the in the book, It uh, Ramona skates with inline skates, not roller skates. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, they change it to roller skates. Uh, and I just I was kind of curious if uh, inline skates aren't that popular in other parts of the world. Or they, maybe that's what it is. They didn't think people would know what she was skating on if she was skating. It feels like inline skates, yeah. It feels like if you're going for the retro thing, and this movie does have a very retro vibe, okay. roller skates might be the way to go. But, mm. you know, I don't have an investment either way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> poor uh, poor um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead obviously didn't have a lot of time to practice her roller skating skills because she has some troubles. Yeah. But that kind of makes it uh, seem more natural. Mm. Um, 
so the next day, Scott's uh, at a date, sort of, not really, with Knives at the library. Yes. Uh, which, again, is a, is a cheap place to hang out. Yeah. Uh, but he's just he just can't get uh, the pink-haired girl out of his head. Sure. He's but that we, kind of guy. We also know that Knives is, you know, she's a serious student. She's a, like a good student. Yep. She's, she's at the library, whereas Scott is, you know, obviously not an academic achiever. He avoided the library. He avoided studying. He finds it all boring. Yeah, he's uh, he finds it boring because honestly, he's boring. <laughs> That's the thing about boring people. They mm. find things boring. Mm. And yeah, because he just goes from thing to thing. And he wants to he's now bored with knives. The novelty of her is done. Yeah, but he's still stuck with stuck with her. Uh, and she doesn't realize this. And it was, you see like, oh, this is how he hurts people. Mm. He just moves on to the next thing and then just leaves the other person behind. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, this is going to happen. The cycle will happen again. Uh, and he, But there he spots uh, at the counter a package being delivered uh, by the girl that he saw in his dream. And she roller skates away. Uh, so, she, so she is real. Um, we go to band practice. Scott's still thinking about uh, the girl. Uh, and, oh, this is a great this is a great sequence because it okay it's, go for it. Uh, well, it's just the, I just love how he's cutting uh, from from situate from uh, sequence to sequence without any kind of linking elements to it. So we go from Scott standing on the stairs, you know, in wonderment at seeing Ramona f- uh, in the library, and then we immediately cut to him at band practice, and he is cl- he's you know just he, uh, Stephen Sills is mad at him because he only played one note through the song, <laughs> and. Which reminds me in the in the graphic novel. I wish I'd read been able to read more of it. He says waffle for no reason, and I to kind of like as well. But yeah, he just plays one note through the whole thing, and then it immediately cuts again to them walking down the street to a party, and Scott has no idea what's ha- where they're going, and I just like this kind of how it just sort of um, creates this situation where he's out of you know seek, sync. He's just like completely uh, you know kind of lost in in this in this in this yeah, uh, dream about this girl. Time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just a really... almost blackouts. Yeah, yeah, it's really well done. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think what was the what was the video that was made about Edgar Wright? It wasn't every picture tells a story. It was something uh, every was picture. About... Yeah, every every frame was of it? painting did did every one on frame. him, but there, his was more on. Um, yeah, his was on. But he was talking about hot fuzz, and it was on like uh, transitions, scene transitions. And this is something that. Yeah, Edgar Wright does very, very well, especially yeah. in this. It transitions using um, comic book uh, transitions. It often splits the screen into what you could say were panels. Yeah. Uh, it's video game style transitions. But there's all getting from one place to the other is uh, is important. It's not uh, one scene to the other. It's not just a and slow fade up <laughs> and fade up. Yeah. You get none of that. Like to me, when I see an Edgar Wright movie, yeah. I think there's no way that he shot um, extra footage, as in, like, let's get some coverage. Let's get some coverage on this, and so we can have some options and angles for things. Because it feels like every shot is set up and necessary to lead, yeah. to set up to something else, you know, something, or lead to the next thing. There's no wasted uh time like i can't get up and use the washroom during an edgar wright movie or i'm gonna i'm missing something whereas like in a traditional movie you go there was an action scene there okay Mm -hmm. well i know now nothing's gonna happen for uh at least 10 minutes because it's a movie so someone's gonna give some information and i can leave and i can come back but i can't with uh with this movie because every damn scene matters 
damn him and I have to pee so bad during his <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think I, obviously he storyboards his films very carefully. And in every frame of painting, the, the point he's making there is in Hot Fuzz, he's showing how Edgar Wright uses elements to indicate the uh, parts of the story. So we know that Scott is getting farther and farther away from civilization because they keep showing his phone and the bars are getting less and less. So he's mm. getting more and more out of contact with, with the city. And the trains themselves, which this probably would be more obvious if you lived in England and knew the train system, but the trains are getting more and more uh you know, rural or getting simpler and simpler. So you go from, a, you know, the higher tech ones and then you get lower lower and lower tech as you move to the outskirts where things aren't quite as, there's not as much money to spend on trains and things. So it's not, not as fancy. And then he kind of compared it to the movie The Heat with Sandra Bullock and uh, Melissa McCarthy where she goes to Boston and they, they just, the way they show that is just to have a helicopter shot flying over Boston with music playing about going to Boston. Yeah. And then we know, oh, she went to Boston. You know, and just kind of comparing the two, whereas one is very, you know, it's very entertaining, but it's cleverly telling you the story of him, you know, where he's trying to call people, but he's not getting answers. He's getting more and more cut off, blah, blah, blah. You know, so, yeah, it's, uh, and then we yes, have th this example is... where it's using the way he cuts the sequence to give us a sense that, that Scott is, you know, disassociated with it from everything right now because he's Absolutely. so obsessed with, with Ramona. Yeah. Yeah, he's losing touch. He's losing touch with uh, with with everything. Mm -hmm. uh, the oh, I, forget, I now forget what I was going to say, which is you know probably honestly <laughs> for the best. Um, so uh, uh, Stephen Stills uh, tells him the good news: they're going to be competing in a battle of the bands, where their main rival is going to be Crash and the Boys. Yes, so that's good. So uh, which again, great name for a band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so the Clash at Demon Head is a great name for a band as well. I was thinking that when yeah. I was watching the movie. I was thinking, what a great, a lot of great names in this uh, thing. Yeah, and, Clash and Boys. And, and Sex Bob Bomb is also great. Sex Bob Bomb yeah, is also a great which name. Which is by named the way. after the um, the bombs in uh, Super Mario uh, Brothers games. They're called. Those are the, they are. They're not sex, uh, but they are uh, bomb, bomb bombs. Okay. So you're taking sex bomb. Yeah. You know, you're taking uh, your Tom Jonesy sex bomb. The no, the classic it, song by Flipper. Is it also a song by Flipper? Sex Bomb, yeah. Okay. And also, do, you've heard the Tom do, Jones do, version, do, right? Do, do, do. He did a version of Sex Bomb? Yeah. Huh. Funny. Indeed, he did. Is that a, is that uh, a tune? It's like, do, it's a, do, 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 do. It's uh, Sex Bomb, Sex Bomb, you're my sex bomb. Hmm. That's, uh, I'm, and that's all I'm going to do. Hey, someone threw underwear at me. Neat. You just have to do it with Tom Jones. <laughs> you just get a free pair of, uh, it's not my size, throwing it back. Okay. So uh, that night they go to a party at uh, Julie Powers, played by Aubrey, Audrey, Aubrey Plaza. Julie Powers is the name of a character in uh, Power Pack. The old Marvel. Uh, okay, I don't think that's where they were going with it, but it, but that is. It'd be huh. weird if uh, they didn't know that. Hmm. Um, so they are uh, going to go schmooze and hang out with record people. But Scott's bored because Scott's boring, <laughs> and uh, so it goes goes to pee out of boredom, uh, where he uh, meets a know-it-all guy. Uh, Como. There you go. Played by Nelson uh, Franklin, knows everyone and shows him uh, and and shows him a picture. He oh, I love that! I love that. Saw, yeah, this yeah. is scribbled a scribbled mess. Do you know who this is? Oh, Ramona Flowers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just get to it. Exactly. <laughs> so well done. Uh, so Scott goes around the the party looking for her, 
a lot of people are describing her as saying she's hardcore. She's hard to date. A lot of setup. All setup. All setup. It's just moving along, moving along. Yeah. And then he finally meets her. Uh, does is uh, there with his uh, solo cup. Uh, tries to hit on her. Does not do well. And yes. says he will leave her alone forever. Now. I like that he yeah because and it's a it's a funny thing because we get earlier on he's showing off to knives while they're playing dance revolution. And he tells her the history of the name Pac-Man. And then yes. he, he attempts the same gambit with Ramona, but she is not e- as easily impressed as Knives, who is, of course, blown away by by uh, Scott's amazing knowledge of all things. You know it's a line, yeah. This is, and, this is yeah, and so her, but she's just giving him like the deadest dead fish stare of all time, you know, and it's like completely could care less. And uh, he starts to fall apart and then, yes, gives that classic, uh, just forget, <laughs> just, I'll go away forever. <laughs> yes. But then, uh, yes. but then he asked Ju- Julie about. To, but then he uh, stalks her. No, he stalks her for the rest of the the part yes, the rest of the party until she leaves. Yeah, and this, then is, then a, this is a great little bit of editing as well. Oh, fantastic! Uh, and Julie uh, Aubrey Plaza has a, a great uh, gimmick where whenever she swears, uh, her mouth is uh, blacked off. Little black box pops up, and it makes like a sound like the like a modem or like the matrix the matrix sound the kind yeah. of like squiggle electronic squiggle sound. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's just fantastic. Um, and uh, she tells Scott, don't date her. I mean, she tells him, first of all, that she's American and has a job at Amazon. Uh, but is very angry, says she doesn't uh, doesn't want him to date her, even though Stephen uh, stills, spills some beans, saying that uh, he used to date some guy named Gideon in New York. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, but she's like, don't, don't date her. And you think like, oh, you know, uh, she's being uh, mean about that. But then, but then, yeah, of course she shouldn't date her. But he's dating knives. <laughs> Of course he shouldn't date her. I forbid uh, you, uh, yeah. Judy. Yeah, she forbids him. That is absolutely right. I'll keep, so probably, he, I'll keep bringing things up, but I like in the book that it's not just Amazon, but it's Amazon.ca. They keep calling it that. I don't know why, what, I don't know why they're... Why, uh, oh, O'Malley and, it, what's that? Yeah. Is it Amazon.com in the movie? No, they just say Amazon. Okay. But in the in the book, it's always Amazon.ca, which I, th- I thought was kind of funny. Nice little detail. But I think That's right. he does say that in the film, though. He says, what's the address for Amazon.ca? <laughs> to Wallace and of course Wallace is like Amazon.ca like you know dumbfounded but yeah so they do use it in the film but they but in the in the book they use it as if everyone always like I would never say Amazon.ca I would just call it Amazon but this is not, it's just sort of funny that it's always the .ca is included by people well here's the thing like it's clear that he has not ordered stuff from Amazon <laughs> no, before because he doesn't buy anything <laughs> other people buy stuff for him yes and he's got, you know, he shops at the secondhand store. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when someone goes, it's Amazon.ca, he's just got that in his head, and that's all he... Um, oh, but he's not, the, he's not the only one. Everyone calls it that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like Ju- Julie says so. she, she works for Amazon.ca as a delivery uh, person. So, you know what? That is a good point. If, if he... I mean, listen, I'm just going to go with the logic of this. Mm-hmm. If uh, she just said to him, she works for Amazon. Yeah. You've heard that she... Uh, she, she's American. She works for Amazon. If he ordered something from Amazon.com, mm. it would not be delivered by her because yeah. she works for Amazon.ca, uh, which is a different situation. They sure. do not cross over. So, uh, so yeah, someone else would have arrived and uh, we would have a different movie. So <laughs> good for them being very specific about that. Well done. And also, those of you who are American or so don't uh, know, uh, we have .ca as uh, the end uh, after, after a dot here on our internet stuff. It's true. So you're saying sneakydragon.ca? Nope. .com. Eh. Because that's, that's the only real one to me. Yeah, Dave's Dave's half American, so we had to go with 
So he orders uh, all American. Amazon.com, so Ramona will deliver it. Uh, but also, and also kind of brushes aside an email he gets from a guy named uh, Patel. Uh, Matthew Patel, yes. Matthew Patel. And uh, I love that. I love that. It's. He starts reading it, and just, uh, the screen is just showing you various parts of it where he's just obviously not reading it. And then this is. It's. It's so boring. Delete. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yep. It's like one of the greatest sins in this movie is being bored. <laughs> you get in so much trouble and hurt so many people by being bored. So he just deletes it. Doesn't even put it aside for later. Yeah. It's just deletes it. Yeah. Then sits in front of the door cross-legged waiting for the package. <laughs> uh, the bell rings and he's just so excited, but it turns out it's knives. Uh, and uh, he hangs out with her. He doesn't want to, but all he can think yeah, about is this is the sad part of the film because we basically get a repeat of all the things we saw them doing earlier when it was when he was enjoying himself and 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 she was and she was enjoying it, but she's still enjoying herself. But she does because she can't see that he's lost all interest in her. But they're doing. They go to the Goodwill. He could care less what she's trying on. They go to the record store. He doesn't care what she's doing. They they do Dance Revolution. She's doing all her all the moves, and he's just barely keep. He's barely trying. Though we did see them earlier on doing it together, and they were yeah, yeah. no, that was, they were really good. That team. was in the courting process where he was trying yeah. to impress her. Yeah, but it feels like once he's impressed a girl, <laughs> uh, he's done. That's it. That's what he wants. Like he doesn't want necessarily sex. Yeah, he just wants you know to impress to impress and not be bored, I guess. Yeah, and then move on to the to the next thing. Uh, so he has a, another dream and sees Ramona skating by and follows her to his own door. Uh, he wakes up. Rushes to the front door. It's very Nightmare on Elm Street. This bit. Uh, rushes to the front door and opens it before she can ring the bell. Uh, and I love that. You know, he's asking like, "How does that work?" And she just casually says, "Oh, there's a door in his subconscious. That's a really easy shortcut to a subspace highway." <laughs> there you go. Which is very similar to a door that's in uh, Super Mario Two. Okay. Where we can go through this door to kind of another dimension where everything is reversed and you can kind of travel. Yeah. So a uh, little, uh, little, little reference, little reference to that in there. By the way, that game, uh, it's all a dream. There, I spoiled it for you. The whole, the whole thing was a dream Mario was having. Uh, Boo. Um, okay. No, no point by playing it now. Nope. Nope. So how did he die? Did he die in the dream? He died in real life. Nah, forget it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so did he, take the, uh, did he take the red Mario or the blue Mario? Took both. That's oh, okay. uh, surprising. Uh, but, uh, she mentions that they don't really have too much of that in Canada, the subspace highways. Mm. But apparently in the States, it's just a thing. They're a little more advanced than we I are. I guess they are. They don't talk about it much. Yeah. Scott asks her out uh, repeatedly. And finally, fine. She's she's going to go out on basically a pity date. Yeah. Now, find out a little more about her. You can see why she'd be reluctant to date anybody. She has had a very hard time with dating in the past. Yes. Uh, but in the movie, uh, by... Uh, movie rules. Um, we go with like this is uh, this is the protagonist. He likes this girl. Well, we should be rooting for him to get the girl, and she's reluctant. Well, he should pursue her even harder. Yeah, and he does. And he's going by all the rules of movies that are right. But we kind of get that this is wrong. What he's doing. Oh yeah, because what, what about knives? Yeah, but he. Well, we know he doesn't care about knives. So yeah, not, not there's nothing that's going to happen with knives. He's being a jerk to knives. Yeah. But we don't think there's any romantic possibility with knives. So what? So so in a traditional movie, knives would be 
the person that they were dating beforehand who, ah, that's not going to work out. But now here comes the person in the movie that we're yeah. supposed to go, mm-hmm. And then we're <laughs> fine with, uh, you know, Bridget Jones breaking up with, you know, that person so she can go out with, you know, the, the Colin Firth. Yeah. We're okay, you know, with that's fine. But what about the other person? They're a human being. Nah, it doesn't matter because movie rules say we're with the protagonist. And all yeah. we care about is the protagonist getting together with the main uh, opposite sex person. Yeah. That's all we care about. Uh, so it plays a little bit with that, which is uh, which is which is pretty good. You're kind of like you're rooting for him, but then you're like, no, I shouldn't be rooting for him. This no, is wrong. This is yeah. about knives. Yeah, it's kind and of funny because no, normally in those films, the the rival is a, is a jerk. You know, so the in a romantic comedy or whatever, like the the boy, the fiance of the woman who she's eventually going to leave to go with with the hero of the movie. We recognize that guy as a prig and a you know, and he's he's a bore and that he's not he's not really good for her. And so when they break up, we're not like, oh, poor Steve. Jeez. Oh, well, I guess she's not going to go with Steve anymore now. She's gone off with Tom. Pfft. No, we're like, oh, good. She got rid of that stick in the mud. Steve, that guy, he, and him and his bow ties. Get out of here, Steve, with you and your slick back hair yeah. and your bow ties. Yeah. This just happens over and over and over again. If there was someone in Twilight who was attracted to, what, at Bella? Is that right? Sure. Uh, who wasn't uh, Edward, you know, who isn't a werewolf. Um, we'd be like, well, get out of here. You well, we do, do have, we do have, um, we do have the, uh, the werewolf character who, I can't remember. Yeah, I said he wasn't a werewolf. Oh, you said wasn't a werewolf. I'm sorry. I missed yeah. that. I'm sorry. I missed, I missed, okay. I missed that disclaimer. <laughs> if there was a regular, if there was a it's, regular fella, we'd just be, get out yeah. of here. You're wasting our time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Whereas the, this but movie, man- yeah, this movie like gives us knives, who's such a, an appealing, wonderful character that it's not, it's not typical romantic comedy in that sense that we don't. It's not that we don't want him to. Well, you don't want well, we her. You don't want her heart to get broken. You, we don't want her heart to like get broken. He shouldn't be dating her. She is seventeen. He <laughs> is twenty-two. Yeah. Uh, you know, he is dating her for the wrong reasons. She yeah. is better than him. Uh, she is kind, and 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 he is being a jerk to her. So it's it's an interesting thing where you know what's the movie doing? It's dragging us along with this thing, and like, what are we supposed to feel? Yet it keeps distracting us. With all these kind of computer can I, tricks. Can I just ask you a question? Would a four-year yeah. age difference be okay? Well, this is the thing. It depends why the age difference is there. And also, when 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 you're coming right out of high school and going into the 20s, that is a very large uh, gap that if, say, it was 22 and then 26, that would not be as big a, a gap as uh, 17 and 21. Yeah, I, a, I think – I agree with you. I think it's uh, – there's there's – we all agree. There's something creepy about guys who are have left school who are going out with schoolgirls. Yeah, I remember guys who, when I was uh, in like around 19, were going out with friends of mine, and they were in their 30s. And you just went like, "Well, he's just a complete creep." That's just a creepy, creep thing. And also, of course, in your 30s, seems like the oldest guy in the universe. Yeah, yeah. Really? Like, it's the point where I'm right now in my early 50s. Yeah. And I look at those guys in their in the 30s and go like, "That guy's too old." <laughs> and that's just, like, still, I still think that like. That guy's, that guy's a, a creep. Uh, but the, the magic trick that Edgar Wright does here is he keeps distracting us with with really good edits and interesting things happening yeah. and kind of magic and, and introducing this world. So we're distracted while this relationship is going on. And and he also plays the, the, mu- the, the tricks that, that m- movies do, which is, you know, plays the romantic music when we're with Ramona and Scott. You know, so we're like, oh, we're feeling like they should be together, but they shouldn't. 
but we're feeling like they are because he's playing tricks with us. It's interesting. It's yeah. a lot of manipulation that he's doing. So we go into the date, and the date is uh, out in the snow and the cold. This is one of the first times that they do play up that it's a bit cold. Yeah, and it's um, April. Yeah. I do yeah. like I do like that he's surprised that she's waiting for him. Mm. It's kind of yep. interesting. Because, you know, you don't trust people. They're going to... I guess so. Uh, and, and they just have, like, a nice conversation. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're on the swings. Like, that, to me, felt like a Canadian date. The amount of Canadian <laughs> dates I've had that have ended on the swings. Talk, well, especially at that age, for sure, yeah. Where you kinda... Yeah, you don't have any money. And yeah. you're probably going to work your way towards... I don't know, the old high school or something or old school or something. Yeah. So, so that's the area you know because you live probably, yeah. you know, near those schools. So, so yeah, you're going to end up on the swings and you're <laughs> going to just have a, have a talk and swing and you're feeling a little active and kind of uh, get your feelings out there. Yeah, it's a, it, they, they play it well. It's a nice, it's a nice little date. You're kind of falling for the idea that these two could be a couple if you don't think too much about it. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, they're very cold, and uh, uh, Ramona uh, decides to take another subspace shortcut, and they arrive at her apartment. Uh, they make out a little bit, uh, but Ramona decides not to have sex with them, and they have some they have some tea uh, as well. Uh, it's a very sexy scene. Like before, they have the tea, and then she like takes off her top, and mm-hmm. uh, they yeah. not to have sex, and they this the uh, sleep together. And again, this felt like this is a very Canadian date. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> such a Canadian date. Um, that Let's I, just say uh, that uh, Ramona is played by Mary Elizabeth Winsett. I know I mentioned that earlier, but just to highlight that, and Michael Sarah is uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, they're uh, both they're really both, both really good. Very very charming. Yeah, uh, like I know that one of the problems people kind of had was Michael Sarah was a little bit exposed uh, at this point, and mm. people had seen a lot of him, and so maybe they were like, okay, I've had enough of Michael Sarah. Mm, uh, but but this is such a great uh, performance because yeah. like again he should be such a reprehensible character and he is yet you you He's, you see yeah. uh, that need in him uh, yeah it's uh, it's it's really good so he invites uh, Ramona to the Battle of the Bands He's, they they spend the night and then yeah invites her to the Battle of Bands that night so we're gonna get to our first uh, our first kind of music in the uh, aside from the opening. Uh, number that we saw in the band practice. We're going to see an actual pro- proper concert. Now, is this the is this a concert that's taking place at Lee's Palace, or is was that later on? I don't really know. I don't know what Lee's Palace is. Lee's Palace is a, um, a music venue. Uh, it's it's kind of like the big Toronto alternative music venue. Oh, okay. Okay. One has performed at, and you know, huh. uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. They say, "Oh yeah, okay, here we go." Nirvana, Oasis, Smashing Pumpkins, Red Hot Chili Peppers all made their Toronto debut on the Palace's stage, huh. and it, it is like the place, uh, you know, for uh, for seeing the alternative uh, bands, and and so many all came through there. Uh, maybe that, maybe this isn't taking place there. Maybe it is. I am not sure. This uh, thing I'm reading is not telling me. Anyway. <laughs> So uh, uh, Scott shows up at the uh, Battle of the Bands and sees uh, Ramona there. Uh, also there are Wallace, his roommate, Stacy, sister, and her friend Jimmy, who she's on a date with. Uh, <laughs> kind of a nerdy type, nice, yeah. handsome fella. Uh, but Wallace is hitting on Jimmy. Jimmy is it like, I don't think I did. Very important but, uh, characteristic, which is he wears glasses, which is something that Wallace likes. We established that earlier in the film when they're standing outside the, the school and... Uh, and uh, and uh, he asks, um, nice to me, I'll show you the boys who are gay. And, and, and Wallace says, oh, do they wear glasses? 
<laughs> so obviously he's yeah wallace on. has his uh gator on and uh, <laughs> spots this boat in the water and and yeah and apparently uh he has done this before mm, yeah, uh much yeah. to the uh annoyance of stacy but let's be honest this is on stacy yeah stacy is dating uh gay fellas <laughs> this is what's happening. Uh, wallace is not making them gay uh, but yeah, yeah there you go so Knives also shows up at this gig, and now we got an awkward thing uh, because he wasn't even thinking about Knives. Of course, why would he? Yeah. He's just completely selfish. Yeah. Everyone stares at him, uh, and he runs away backstage because, you know, he's a coward. Um, and then we see Crash and the boys. Now, Crash is – is Crash like a little girl? No. That's it's not... not? What band is the little girl little girl in? Oh, that is – but she's Trasha. Hey, and what band is she in? Crash and the boys. Oh, that's why I just asked you. I asked like... Is oh, Crash you said a- you said it's Crash the Little Girl, and I was saying, no, that's not her name. Sorry, you just confused oh, me. Oh, okay. Your conf- question right, confused me. But Crash and the Boys does have a, a little a little girl playing drums, an eight-year-old girl playing drums. Okay, and there are two boys aside from the little girl. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that would be my confusion as to Crash oh, the like, Boys. Oh, yeah, I know, it's weird, but her name is Trasha. <laughs> okay, yeah. so Trasha... That's not her real name. Her real name's like Trina. Oh, that's fine. But... I don't need her real name, but like... So, okay... All right. I okay. That is an interesting, confusing situation, yeah, and, yeah. and that's excellent. When anyway, you look they, at them, when they're going through the, when they're going through their their diagram, you know how Wallace has Wallace, or not Wallace. Um, Stephen Stills has his like sketches of the bands that they're going to be up against. Like, yeah, like he's like a that's coach. All done by Brian Lee, uh, O'Malley. Yeah, yeah, he's like a coach. Uh, there's the page with the with the with the girl drummer on it. Her name is Trasha on that page. Okay. I paused the movie to wa- to read those. So, Excellent. Because I've seen it a few times, so I can pause it, read a bit of stuff. And uh, Wallace is heckling them uh, through, throughout. And, yeah, uh, his, that's and great. That's throws great. up the uh, bird. It's not a race. And, yeah, and uh, I like the Stephen, uh, Stephen being like, oh, they've got a girl drummer too. Oh, no. No, it's Kim uh, who's upset about the girl drummer. Oh, is it Kim? Yeah. Oh, okay, Kim. All right, very good. Excellent. Uh, so they uh, they have a, a good set. Uh, they have a nice short song, nice long, longer song. Uh, then it's time for and and Steven's freaking out. Can't follow it. There's no way. Uh, but they go up. But in the middle of their performance, well, no, because uh, what? Okay, let me just. I just want to slightly uh, uh, elaborate on this, which is that what happens is is that uh, Scott Pilgrim notices that Ramona and Knives are starting to talk up up on the balcony where they're sitting and so then he like slaps steven stills and they and d- demands to go out on stage because he wants to distract them so they need to get out there as fast as possible so he yeah uh, he gives steven stills a slap to get over his hysteria and then they get out there and let's get going with our music mostly so that these two people don't start talking yeah needs a uh needs a cover a distraction. yeah yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's all about that. So they start uh, they start performing. They're doing okay. They're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, but then it's inter- interrupted. Uh, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> by Matthew uh, Patel, who yes. uh, who crashes in there and uh, is uh, ready to fight uh, Scott. Yeah. Scott uh, doesn't know what this is all about. It's like I sent you an email. It's like oh, I didn't read it. Yeah. Oh, I skimmed it. Very upset. I love at, uh, I love rudeness. Wallace watching that and going. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> nope, you don't just give him an email. Yep. And this is when we get uh You will pay for your insolence. That's right. Uh Scott uh Scott asks why uh he, he wants to fight him and he says he's one of uh, Ramona's uh several seven evil ex lovers. Uh you know. 
Uh, so he's got to defeat them all in order to go out with her. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, they look up at, uh, at at her, and she gives an ex explanation. Now, was this explanation animated, or was it still drawings? I'm trying I to. I think remember. it was still drawings that were done by by uh, Brian Lee O'Malley. Yeah, and they used to be jerks together, the two of them. Yes, when she was when she was younger. So she's got a history of uh, evil herself. Yeah. Uh, and so then we get into uh, we get into the uh, the fight, which is kind of a, a bit of a Bollywood fight, and then we also have demon hipster chicks that also uh, that also show up. So in this and, moment, uh, we do see uh, characters do express surprise at Scott's fighting ability in the sequence. Well, uh, his roommate knows that he can kick his ass. In fact, yells, "Kick his ass!" Uh, they just and distracts distracts him by asking about his outfit and asking if he's dressed like a pirate. And uh, it's like pirates are in right now. <laughs> pirates it's are like in the trying to, Yeah, trying to throw him off his uh, trying to throw him off his game and help Scott along. But it's clear like people know that Scott can fight. They, they you know this is the first time they've ever seen Scott fight. Uh, this is you say not the first time. Not the first time okay. for sure. Yeah, because when you watch the scene when I was watching it last night, I I, I kind of noticed that everyone was kind of like, oh wow, he's really. He well, I think they're surprised that there's him. a fight that's going on. Okay. But Scott already uh, dated Kim yeah. uh, by fighting a guy at school who was, you know, this huge kind of monster guy. 50 like foot tall, yeah, yeah. 50 foot tall guy. So, you know, we're we're aware that Scott has this ability. He has not told that story yet, but yeah, yeah. No, but the characters know it. Mm, okay. We don't know it. We don't know that uh, skinny Michael Sarah. <laughs> uh, uh, can can do all this yet yeah. but this is the first time that we're introduced into this video game as aspect of the world mm. where it's a very street fighter uh style uh style battle to the death yeah uh that occurs and it's it's great it just takes it to this incredible surreal uh element and every one of the fights is great it's oh yeah they're just fantastically choreographed and yeah, that yeah. you have never seen this type of fight before. <laughs> so yeah, he ends up fighting uh, uh, Matthew Patel, who uh, who the demons behind him can spit fire, and in fact they uh, they burn uh, the girl from Crash and the Boys, Trasha. Uh, burns all of them. Burns all of them. The turns them into yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 And so that's why they uh, they end up like winning uh, by default because the others are dead. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's just such a mix of like casualness to the incredible graphic violence. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he eventually uh, defeats uh, Matthew Patel, who is uh, doing a bit of a musical number while uh, while he's performing, and then uh, turns him into coins, uh, uh, toonies and loonies. But only two dollars and thirty cents. Yes. Because uh, which. Scott Which is says, enough not, not enough for the bus. Yeah, not enough for a bus. So um, Scott and Ramona leave on a bus. She's got enough money for the bus. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe it's two forty because she says I'll lend you thirty five cents. There we go. Yeah, that's a mistake with a guy named Scott. He's never going to stop asking for money. Now. <laughs> this is a problem. Uh, so they they're on a bus and yeah. uh, he uh, she explains that now they're dating. She he must defeat all of her evil ex lovers. He keeps you know, he keeps saying your ex boyfriends and she's like boyfriends. my evil exes. My evil exes, that's right. Yeah. So now there's a there's six to go. Mm. And this really does now feel like almost like an old martial arts movie. <laughs> this curse that needs to be yes. lifted. Right. Yes. So um uh, Scott tells Wallace he needs uh the place in order to have a, a date with Ramona that night. Uh and uh, Wallace agrees as long as he breaks up with knives right now. 
And uh, yeah. he doesn't want to because it's hard, <laughs> which is one of my favorite lines from yes. the from the thing. <laughs> and yeah, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do the right thing. He just wants to ghost her. He just wants to ignore her. Yeah. I ignore her, ignore her, and and hurt her, you know, uh, until she goes away. But what like, a nope. jerk! Yeah, exactly. He's got to do this, and I love that. Uh, I love that uh, Wallace's phone is an old timey phone with a dial yeah. on it. That again just feels like that just feels right. Everything yeah, because just... I don't think it's taking place. It's supposed to take place now, right? It's taking place in the nineties. People don't really have cell phones and stuff in this movie, do they? Well, here's the thing: it's got to take place after Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, it, but it doesn't, I don't think it really takes place at any specific time, time, okay. but it's, you know, it's a, it's one of these mix of all the different time periods mm. together. Yeah. You know, definitely there's things like pizza pizza is there, but pizza pizza has been around since 1967. Second cup is there, uh, Canadian coffee place. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, it's just all over the map. <laughs> um, and we learn, we learn also here that, uh, Wallace is uh, going to be going to watch uh, a movie being shot that night uh, at the castle to watch uh, you know, this ex-pro skater, Lucas Lee, played by Chris Evans, wonderfully. <laughs> um, and uh, so he's fine with like letting Scott have this uh, place for the date. But yeah, he's got to call Knives. He's got to tell her or just break up with Knives. Yeah. Uh, he agrees that he's uh, going to go do this. Yeah. So, um so uh, the date, uh, uh, Scott and Ramona have their date. The date goes fine. But uh, Scott starts to feel uncomfortable uh, once the conversation starts turning, talking to, about their past. Okay. Uh, uh, Scott had a bad breakup with a girl named Envy Adams. Yes. Who we'll later see as Brie Larson, um, who left him after her band uh, called Clash at Demon Head, which you mentioned earlier, got a big record deal. Um, and so a little bit of discussion there and she starts talking about her exes, but he's not as interested. Uh, they go over to the castle, which is, you know, uh, oh, there we go. Uh, 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 to watch the movie shoot. Now this is a place that actually has done a lot of movie shoots, like an, like X-Men, uh, shot there. Yeah. It's Casa Loma, uh, X-Men shot there, Chicago, uh, pacifier it's just a real uh, big place in the city that shoot a lot of movies shoot there so okay. that a movie is shooting there is absolutely right that's yeah. Yeah. you know just go there on any weekend and a movie would be shooting there <laughs> um so they go to watch the shoot and they find out uh that lucas lee was actually one of ramona's evil exes and uh and it's great when you first see lucas lee because he comes out of his trailer yeah and they play the universal theme again <laughs> you play the proper universal theme <laughs> And it's just like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. So it's so good. And we do see earlier a clip of him uh, in one of it. Like we see a lot of fake posters for his movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we see a little clip of him on TV uh, just in a phone booth, uh, just doing a real Steven Seagal-y type line. And it's just, ah, it's just, man, he's, he's great. The guy, Chris, Chris Evans, man. You know, even when he's playing two different superheroes, like when he's playing the Human Torch and he's playing Captain America. Couldn't be more different. Couldn't be more different. Uh, nice creep and knives out. Ah, oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's very good. Which, uh, which sounds like the sequel to Knives Chow. Now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> knives anyway. Chote. Yeah, you're getting actually a remarkable amount of superheroes uh, in this movie. You're getting your Captain America. You're getting uh, Captain Marvel. You're getting Superman in this. You're getting you're getting some superheroes. Um. So, uh, 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 
uh, Scott meets uh, Lucas Lee and uh, ends up getting beat up by him. I like well, one thing I like in this sequence is where Lucas Lee appears to be doing a scene, like he's acting, but then we realize he's not acting; he's talking to Scott Pilgrim. But there's no difference for him between acting yeah. and and you know, like his real his real life persona is the same as his movie persona. So it just it you know so yeah, I'm I'm talking to you, Pilgrim. He says. So. Yeah, it's it's. It's almost like I keep coming back to magic tricks. It's misdirection. <laughs> mm-hmm. You think one thing's happening and then you reveal that another thing has been happening this whole time. Yeah. And so you're as surprised as the character. And when they're surprised, you're along for the ride with it. Where normally in a movie, uh, you're ahead of the game usually with the character. And like you're like, when the character gets to the point where they're surprised, you're like, yeah. Of course the ghost's in there. Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Of course it would be, you dumb dumb. But no, we're we're along for this. Yeah. And yeah, he uh so um And I also so, love that he th- throws uh, Scott Pilgrim about a hundred meters into the into the air, into the wall of the castle. It's just a full cartoon. And yeah. then yeah, then Scott Pilgrim you know, falls, comes crashing down, crashes through the, the scaf- scaffolding and lands on the ground. But then he's talking to Ramona and you know, like, how's it going? You know. Yeah, but he's hurt when he lands. Like it's painful. No, I'm talking about not- I'm talking about uh Lucas Lee, the oh Lucas Lee, casually. Was, yeah, he's talking so so casually talking to Ramona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah seems like a nice guy. And also, uh, I like that his roommate is uh, is is still uh, enraptured by him. <laughs> he's very smitten. How sexy he is! Yeah, because he's a bad boy, but like that's going to yeah. turn you off. You know, eventually he like sides with his friend over you know yeah. this handsome uh, bit of business. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you get you get a you get a fight scene. Uh, where it's him and his stunt doubles, yeah, yeah, beating yeah. up, uh, beating up Scott, which is uh, great, and just smacking the hell out of him with their skateboards. Uh, finally, Scott ends up. Uh, Scott tricking. also does some smacking around too, though. Oh, he does. No, the, it's great fights. Yeah, it really is. It's like uh, it's, it's fantastic, and then uh, and then challenges uh, Lucas Lee to do a thingy. Off a rail, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, he, and he's got such an ego that he's got to got to do it. He's got to do it. And then we we have again a cartoony type thing where he's skateboarding down the rail, and the speed is basically getting. It's a Bugs Bunny thing yeah. where it's like the uh, you know on the, the airplane. The, the, it's just yeah. speeding up till it goes ridiculous, isn't it? It's sparking. It's, just, it's like yeah. it's heating up. So the sparks are flying off of it. It's showing us a speed a speedometer of the speed that he's going. He's like approaching 200 miles an hour going down this, uh, down a railing. <laughs> it's a pretty long stair- stair- staircase. Yeah. But. Yeah. And people again from Toronto are going, oh, I know this stairway. Yeah, this is <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, when he finally does uh, end, it, it he explodes into coins, but it is also a poof, much like the uh, coyote hitting the ground, you know, in a Roadrunner cartoon, yeah. which is fair because... Uh, Lucas Lee did throw Scott up against the castle in a real this means war moment. So, you know, by by the rules of cartoons, uh, he he did the first cartoony big move. So this is absolutely fair that uh, that Scott did this. And yeah, uh, Lucas Lee turns into coins, as, <laughs> but more coins. This is the thing. Like uh, the the characters do go up in value uh, through the uh, through the movie. You actually feel a bit bad for Patel just going, this guy was only like two bucks and change. Like, oh, poor, poor guy. But uh, yeah, he uh, the only thing that uh, Scott sad about is he didn't get his autograph. And uh, Ramona leaves during the fight without saying goodbye to Scott. So um, Scott tries to call her the next day, but she won't answer. Uh, Wallace is uh, rooting uh, for their relationship so Scott can move out. 
and uh, you won't feel guilty about having to kick him out. Um, and so uh, Scott goes for a sad walk, uh, and uh, as he's going for a sad walk, he is randomly attacked by a blur. <laughs> just goes by and just hits him, and he's he's less uh, scared and more just annoyed. Yes. It's just like, I don't have time for this right now. I don't want to do this. He's just too bummed out uh, by real world stuff to yeah, yeah. part of this cartoony, fun uh, battle to the death. And, <laughs> cartoony, fun battle to the death. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he's uh, and then it's revealed that he's being attacked by a teenage punk girl named Roxy uh, mm. Richter, uh, which sounds like uh, Roxy Roller. It sounds like many things. Played by May uh, Whitman. Yes, she's, so, uh, she's was, so good. Who was his girlfriend in Arrested Development? That's right. The, the which one I'm that now realizing no one I could did. remember her, and all the and I didn't remember her. Oh, I feel <laughs> awful. Well, yeah, this was his girlfriend who was always called her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the whole, damn it! I th- again, this is like probably my favorite movie, and I didn't put two and two together on that until uh, right now. Uh, Holy moly! She's so okay. She's also really good in the this film called The Duff. I really like her in that movie. Yeah, she's look. She's in a TV show right now called Good Girls, mm. which technically is 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 quite good, but it's just too tense, and I can't take it. Okay, it's people that are constantly in danger. Yeah, and it's yeah. Like a bad thing where it's just like eventually you're just like I just can't. I can't. I got to just. <laughs> Watch it later in stages, and I'm sure it's fine. Um, but yeah, he uh, just randomly swings his hand and uh, punches her in the boob, as she said. Yeah, and, I love that. Uh, she, you punched yeah. my boob. Yes. <laughs> Prepare to die. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, obviously. Yeah, oh, yeah. And her way of speaking is so great, too. Oh, my goodness. Because she's prepared. Yeah. What she's going to say, and then it screws up, and she's embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. She wanted to, she wanted to you know, get this like cool and right. And, uh, you know, get her revenge for this person taking, uh, you know, the person that she cares about. But now nah, she's just screwing it up. And, uh, and yeah, gets upset. And luckily she has uh, the ninja disappearing, uh, you know, uh, smoke, which is great. Oh, man, the times I've wanted that. Just, uh, <laughs> so uh, she agrees to, um, to uh, come back uh, uh, later on. But, like, she, you won't expect what you're expecting. And she tries to say it in a cool way it doesn't work and then yeah. she ninjas way out of there because she's feeling awkward yeah and i like that yeah. all her little smoke bombs have path written in them yeah that's the thing they don't uh they don't mind putting your uh, onomatopoeia up there for <laughs> oh and bam and biff yeah and uh, elements of uh, comics whatever works they they use it's great and, mm-hmm. and it's all stuff that you know edgar wright and uh, brian leo malley obviously you know knew about when they were putting stuff together and it's like, yeah, it's just something they're passionate about and get. And they don't explain it too much of like, this is how the world works. If you die in this, then this and dreams mean this. It's like, no, no, just you've seen movies, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, you've read comics? I guess. All right. You know video games? A little bit. Okay. Well, that's how it works. <laughs> good, good. All right. So here we go. We're going to not hold your hand. We're just going to imagine that you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Scott goes to a coffee shop where Stacy works to try to talk to her. Uh, but she, uh, she, she leaves in a very funny way. He tries, he tries like calling her on a pay phone, uh, and then, uh, immediately goes in and she's gone. And, uh, <laughs> Rick Plaza is there. Yeah. Uh, furious at yes. him uh, for going out with uh, Ramona. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then turns around and, uh, he sees Ramona there. Mm. 
and uh, they talk about how they don't want their past to affect their current relationship and talk about that. Uh, and, uh, and, and then uh, Scott sees Envy is standing behind her, his ex, uh, played by Brie Larson, and her band Clash of Demon Head is playing uh, tonight in Toronto, and she invites Scott and his friends, including Ramona, to come by. And so, okay, that's where we're at with this now. <laughs> yeah, I like how she's standing in front of a poster of herself, like a stand-up. Oh, it's a display good. of herself, and then everyone who's got a reveal has a great reveal. No one just like walks into a room and it's like, "Hey, there's Dave." It's just like <laughs> just be an interesting thing. Yeah, you're in front of a poster, or you're coming in like in a blur, like you're the Flash. Yeah, you know, everyone everyone has a great uh, a great entrance. Mm-hmm. It's like every this is the thing with this movie that I love. It's like where I've been watching so many Netflix movies, and and a Netflix movie looks at the same time so expensive and so cheap. And why it looks so expensive and so cheap is there's a sweeping scene of uh, Prague, and it's beautiful. And you're like, oh, look at Prague. And then we cut to a small room, and people stay in this small room for like a long period of time talking. Oh. Then they'll be on a hallway, and they'll have a little fight in the hallway. And then maybe they'll go out, and it looks like they're going to go for a drive. And we'll have like, oh, there's a shot of like the whole city, and then we'll go back tight again to the end of the. Uh, but it's 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 obvious that some scenes matter and some scenes don't. And in this, everything matters. Every scene matters. You know, uh, you can tell that everyone in the scenes are interested. And in the Netflix movies, you can tell, well, this scene is important. This scene's not important. This scene is just to get you to this scene. This scene is someone walking to the next scene. But yeah. here, they find a, a, a great way of doing. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're going to go to that concert, uh, Clash at uh, Demon Head uh, <laughs> playing. Uh, so uh, at the concert, we find out that the bassist, uh, ta- bassist uh, Todd Ingram, played by Brandon Routh, who was Superman and also uh, the Adam in uh, Legends of Tomorrow, is uh, is another one of Ramona's evil exes. Mm. Da, da, da. And we then, find out- before we go there, though, let's just let me just uh, throw a little bit of uh, compliment. Let's throw some compliments to the great song written by the group Metric that is performed by uh, by Brie Larson as as Envy Adams for Clash of Doom. I really like that song that that they do in that that sequence of the film. It's very good. Yes, and then the the concert ends, and they get invited backstage by Julie, who's always regretfully always she's- everywhere. She, she has seven seventeen different jobs, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell that like, that's what probably one of the reasons that she hates Scott is Scott's one of these layabout guys that yeah. just crashes on everyone's couch and goes place to place and hurts people. Yeah. And you know, she, you're right. She's got five jobs. Yeah. She's going to own a condo in a year. Like she, she is that kind of person. She'll be owning that second cup, you know, <laughs> five years. Absolutely. You're, yeah, you're right. But, and, and another thing, as you say, like these songs, it's tough sometimes when you have songs in a movie uh, because they, you know, do, are you going to believe that this is a good band? Well, if it's where are you going to, you, so you're just going to write a whole bunch of great songs. Is that what I'm hearing you say? And it's like, it's, it's hard enough with something like, you know, that thing you do to have like one catchy song. I'm like, okay, I guess I get that. But here you're right. The songs are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Consistently good. Like you, you see the clash at demon head and go, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good choice of of band, and, and it's kind of fun. Um, and you sent it to me earlier today, but I, I had watched it last night. There's a, a move. There's a mu- mu- music in the movie 
uh, documentary that was made for the, I guess, for the DVD release or the Blu-ray release. And, and it talks to some of the different groups that, or people that were involved with doing the music for the film, which is kind of nice. Some of them are Canadian groups, which is nice. Some metrics Canadian and the uh, Broken Social Scene. They talked to a couple of members from that group who wrote the music for Clash and the Boys. Some of the songs were written by Beck, who's obviously not Canadian, but as, I guess a friend of Edgar Wright's. And uh, and then Nigel Godrich, who is a, a producer, uh, produced Radiohead, and I think, and then also produced um, Beck as well. So he, uh, it makes sense that that you know they're kind of getting out the Rolodex and stuff like that. But what's exciting, of course, for me as a Canadian is that Chris Murphy from the Canadian band Sloan acted as musical director. So he taught he taught all the actors to play how to play their instruments and took and taught them the songs and ta- also taught them how to be you know stage performers as well so that's mm-hmm. that's kind of cool as well so because he's one of those musical polymaths that can play you know drums guitar bass piano so whatever you need to play i'll, I'll show you how to play it and not that he does them all great but he does them all in a good enough rock and roll way to to be exciting and to write songs and stuff like that so and sex bomb definitely performs in a different way than Clash at Demonhead. That's before. right. Yeah. Clash yeah. at Demonhead barely move. <laughs> there's there's just yeah. to stand perfectly still and just like just act everything with their face. Did you faces. see Envy's shoes? <laughs> there's a good there's a good scene of uh Brie Larson falling over where cuz she's she can't quite she's having trouble standing up wearing those really high narrow stiletto heeled shoes so mm. so you see her fall on her bum at one point cuz she's <laughs> this is tricky. Tricky. So yeah, it's a uh, but yes, it's it's uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting, and I, I, it's it's enjoyable to watch. Like, you know, people who the like the actors like 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 Alison Pill who plays Kim Pine. She had never played drums before. Stephen Stills, who or the actor who played Stephen Stills, I can't remember his name now, mm-hmm. but he's a very good actor. He um, I'm trying to think of it. Sorry, he he um, he never played guitar or sang before. So you know, it's quite an achievement that you Mark know, uh, Mark Weber. Mark Weber, that's right, that's who it is. Mark Weber, yeah, yeah. Really good in a season of of Cardinal, the uh, Canadian detective show. Oh, nice! That stars um your friend from the Rocketeer. Uh, yeah, we're 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 good friends. <laughs> Billy Campbell. I did uh, Campbell, one yeah. show with with the guy. He's yeah. very nice, though. Yeah, he is very very. He's friendly. Let's go with that. <laughs> I like that. Um, so when did Scott break up with uh, Knives? You miss he... you miss that because yeah. that happens before the date yeah. with Ramona. He yeah, they're, they're at the record that. store and and he says um, he goes I think that maybe you know we should whatever break up and then you have that yeah. wonderful bit of heightened realism this film does so well where it just everything fades around Knives until it's all black around her and she's just like really a little yeah. heart, little bit of heartbreak there. And it just it just yeah because she's she's young she's young she's fresh she's never she's never been in a a romantic relationship she's never she's never had love before now and or heartbreak and now she gets the wonderful feeling of heartbreak which unfortunately is a it does accompany love quite often so you know we all we all face it at some point in our lives but it's just so sad to see her have to go through that you know and it's such a mixed it's such a mixed scene for the audience because Mm -hmm. yeah you feel terrible for her. Mm-hmm. They play it that way. Yeah. But then you're also like, this Ex- is good. You're excited because you want Scott to get be with well, Ramona. You, this is the thing, too. They then crank up the romantic music, and you're like, yeah. oh, well, now he doesn't have this baggage. He can go on. So you feel good about that, and you feel bad about feeling good about that. But then yeah. the other thing is, you're like, well, Scott was never good for her, so this is good that they're breaking up. Yeah. That's, that's correct. 
but I'm still feeling bad. Yeah, it's this whole it's 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 wonderful to have a movie that lets you have yeah. uh, full emotions at the same time. Well, you know, we know that she shouldn't, but she yeah. d- she genuinely loves Scott. Yeah. So this is heartbreaking for her. Well, she's yeah. in love with the idea of love, is what she Sure, did. but... She's in love with what she feels Scott is. Definitely not who Scott is, because she doesn't understand Scott. Well, no, no. but Scott she, doesn't share yeah. who he is with her. She is in love with the object, Scott. And quite frankly, Scott is probably not even sharing who he really is with... Um, you know, uh, with Ramona mm-hmm. either. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he starts off with, I'm giving her a line, you know, about Pac-Man. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing it. He's doing a bit basically. Like as we go along, he's revealing more truths about himself. Yeah. But we're definitely not even close to, you know, who he really is yet. Um, so to get close to him, she calls up a uh, young Neil and says that you know she's uh, captured with him. Yes. So now she's going out with young Neil. Ah, oh, that's a, that is a cell phone scene because she texts him mm-hmm. in a very old-fashioned, probably uh, that very complicated one that you had with a phone without like uh, letters and stuff on it. You just had to use the keys to yeah go through. But the... she's young; she knows how to do oh, it. Oh, they could do it so fast. I know. I, I would struggle for fifteen minutes to send a, a message to my nephew, and then. A second later, he'd respond with his long sentence. I'd be like, how? What? What's going young. on? Like, oh. Young. He's young. T6, yeah. I think it's called. T6 is called that style. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, he's not young anymore. Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> He'll always be younger than me. Yeah, Knives. Yeah, that's true. Um, Knives notices that Scott is with Ramona now, and uh, that uh, drives her to a jealous rage. <laughs> uh, and as you say, they're all invited backstage where they all sit awkwardly together. Uh, Knives is... And Knives uh, is... Or Knives is I dyed her hair blue in order to, because that's what she thinks Scott likes about Ramona. Yeah. Because she, and she dyes her hair with her sister. I love her relationship with her sister. I think it's her you friend. See, it's her friend, actually. Is it her, is it her, is it her friend? Yeah. Yeah. She has a different oh, name yeah. in, in the book. So. Okay. Cause I, cause, cause she was at her house. I just assumed. Yeah. That. Yeah. No, it's her, it's her, her school friend. Right. I guess. Well, I, I like their relationship and uh, I like that she likes how she looks and that yeah, she's yeah. a, yeah. changed and uh yeah this is that's good yeah but she's just bouncing up and down so excited <laughs> to be here you know with the clash at uh demon head and she's uh so 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 excited that todd ingram brandon routh punches her yes and punches her so hard that he knocks the highlights out of her hair yeah and uh and young neil flips out about this and, and just like he knocked the highlights out of her hair <laughs> and i know that you don't I know that you don't like Scott that much, but he he is genuinely outraged that Knives got punched. So, oh, it's it's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is uh, this is this is awful. But here's the other thing, though. Yeah, he's upset that Knives got punched. <laughs> I knew you were going to turn it on him. Yeah, yeah. Because there's <laughs> there's a there's another subtext here, which yeah. is this is the guy that um, that envy. Uh, broke up, uh, broke up oh, with Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, I know. There's that part of it too, for sure. But, yeah. So but he's I mean, already that's one thing. With... But also punching someone is a no, no. I get that. But yeah. before he punched knives, yeah, Scott was giving him the stink eye, huge, and they were like locking eyes, like they were about to fight anyway. Yeah, yeah. Then, then he punches, uh, then he punches knives. Maybe not, you know, for maybe just to get Scott to fight. Whatever. There's no excuse for doing it. It's it makes the audience gasp. You you just he, he he has done the thing in the movie that you cannot do, yeah. which is he has kicked a puppy. 
<laughs> and once you kick a puppy, anything can happen to you, yeah. and we just loathe you. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, Scott uh, is now ready to fight, but but we we learned that t- uh, Todd has psychic powers and stops him, <laughs> and he floats because he's vegan. Yes, and went to vegan academy, and vegans are just better than regular people. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. It's just such a cheesy joke that's still not cheesy, I guess, like fucking <laughs> cheesy. But uh, you just go, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. And uh, yeah, he punches he punches Scott high into the air. Oh my gosh, it's just it's just yeah, great a great little fight. Um, and, but he's clearly more powerful than Scott. So you know, Scott's first battle he wins because Scott is more powerful. But then Scott has to become the trickster. So again, Scott has to trick uh, this this all powerful fella yeah. uh, somehow, and he does this by, um, you know, having two coffees. One uh, has cream in it, <laughs> and one uh, one has a vegan uh, vegan uh, soy milk. Yeah, one in has it. half and half, and one has because remember it's Canada, so it has to have half and half. Okay, all right, fair what, enough. It, and, says, it says milk on this uh, thing, but yeah, oh, fair okay. enough. Yeah, they probably didn't know what half and half was. So <laughs> yeah, it could it could be, uh, and uh, and but uh, because he's psychic, he can read his mind, mm-hmm. so no problem there. Yeah, but Scott tricked him by thinking really hard that put uh, <laughs> in the other one. So he is now drank. Uh, he's now drank the uh, half and half, and he's no longer vegan. Well, oh no, no, God. he's still a vegan because we learn when the vegan police arrive at this moment, one of them played by Thomas Jane. I don't know who plays the other police officer. Uh, uh, Clifton Collins Jr. Okay. Yeah. Who, uh, <laughs> yeah. He um, He's in uh, Westworld. Apparently he was in oh. the Star Trek movie. He was in Pacific Rim. Okay. Um, Capote. Yeah. Okay. Then he's a working actor. That's good. So. Yeah, as you say, Thomas Jane, who was, um, among other things, the Punisher. So we had yet another superhero. So he comes running; they come running in, and then we find out that this is not Todd's first infraction. That at some time in the past he had he had eaten. I can't remember what it was. Now he had eaten something that wasn't the, vegan. I think the second one was chicken. Parmesan. The second one was chicken parmesan, and he's like, "Chicken isn't vegan," which of course he's just being completely uh, silly at that point. But yeah, there's something else that was slightly like an egg or something like that, like. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, he, he, you know, you could maybe, you could maybe like fidget, they go, okay, maybe he didn't realize that that wasn't vegan. Okay. But then when he tries, when he tries to claim the chicken Parmesan, you know, what that isn't vegan, what then you know that he's just, yeah, he's just a, he's, here's the thing. He's a liar. He's he's a, yeah, he is just a smug vegan liar. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's full of, who's full of nonsense. Uh, but apparently one time had punched a hole in the moon. That's true for her. That's right. We, we saw a little bit of that. Uh, and occasionally you'll see the moon and there's a hole in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, the, yeah, the vegan police aim their fingers at him and drain his powers, which makes his hair go limp, which is good because he punched the highlights out of knives, hair and affected her hair. So it was hair for hair comeuppance on that is now lost his natural, uh, hair. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, he is kicked in the face by Scott and turns into very many coins, but not before the vegan police leave through the door, they, uh, the wall they burst through, yeah. uh, yelling, vegan police, and jumping and high-fiving each other in a hilarious exit. Just, <laughs> just, the, the, um, it, feels, it feels very uh, improvised in the moment. 
Mm-hmm. The hole in the wall was already there because Scott had been thrown through the wall and back oh, through it again by, by Todd. So they were just using an already existing access, but yeah. So it just feels like the vegan police are uh, all-knowing and uh, they will show up like demons, you know, <laughs> once you've broken your deal with the devil yeah, to take yeah. away your abilities. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so It's hard to be a vegan. Weird. Yeah. Like it's yeah, it's such a it's such a weird concept. You know, it's such a big weird concept that it could derail your movie, but they've made the movie already so sincere yeah. and so strange that it's it's okay. It's yeah. all it's all okay. It's it, it is interesting having read through the through the book uh through the first book anyway, is how how much how true to the the original book the movie is. Like it really like has a lot of elements from the book in the film. It's amazing how much uh, direct, direct stuff there is actually. And uh, so Scott has a conversation with, with uh, Envy where he calls her Natalie, <laughs> which uh, nobody, nobody's called her for a long time. She is yeah. Natalie B Adams. So NV yeah. Adams. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's sweet. It's sweet. You can tell that they meant something to each other and there's nothing romantic there anymore. Yeah. But they both have made their peace kind of with each other. Yeah. And you know, it's just a nice little hmm, nice little growing up scene there. It's just a it's a step in the right direction for, for Scott's uh, for Scott's character. Yes, uh Brie Larson looks really great in that role as well. It's funny to yeah. see her in the uh, musical uh the music uh, documentary rehearsing and she's just has her regular uh hair color and she's just wearing like like a crummy sweet sneakers and the old sweats sweatpants and it's just like completely yeah. different completely different than her character in the film which is root which is dolled up for her for her performance. yeah it feels like and again uh, the something we didn't bring up was one of the reasons that scott felt like that they broke up was because he got like a weird haircut or something like he, his hair yeah too yeah he got the wrong haircut so he was scared to like cut his hair and it was really damaged by that yeah um yeah. But she, I think she says something nice about his hair. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's like you would think if he was a real creep, now her boyfriend is gone. So he actually has a shot with her right now. Yeah, she's vulnerable. He could like ask her out. Uh, but no, it's not. She he cares about her and how she's doing and wants her to be okay. Yeah, and and is is actually sincerely concerned about her. Mm-hmm. And in a good and a good even though she has done something very mean towards him. Yeah. And he's just gotten beaten up, you know, by her boyfriend. It's it's a it's a very sweet scene and you do are now rooting more for Scott. He is uh, he is moving towards the character that you need him to be for us to give a damn about a redemption like later on. Yeah. yeah. So um, so so that's good, which also then means we need to push him back down a hole, you know. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, we can't have him redeemed quite yet. Right. So Scott and Ramona go to the after party for the Clash of Demon Head, and Scott at this point now is uh, is angry. You know, he's uh, the he just got beat up in an alley. <laughs> yes. Um, he's he's pissed off, and he's uh, he's being very very snarky with her. Uh, upset that all of her evil ex-boyfriends keep trying to kill him and then she corrects exes like why do you keep saying that and that's when roxy returns and punches scott in the back of the head and uh, it takes him a little bit to clue in and then finally goes from the you know uh you know to get gets it can i just can i i I think this is a scene where we have we we learn that scott is also kind of lies to himself because he uh, he says throughout the film that he doesn't drink Yes, and then he orders two G and T's, two gin and tonics, and he's slugging them back 
with no problem. Yeah, and then and then says that she says something along the lines of like, you know, I don't, I don't want, well, I don't want that. And I was like, he, they weren't for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we we see then, yeah, that's the most obvious uh, uh, mark of Scott's denial of who he is. Yeah, and yeah. it's a such it's such an important quick scene of just like, oh, he's the guy who says, yeah, I'm not violent, but he's violent. Mm-hmm. I don't do this, but he does that. He's got the he's got the false impression of himself in his head. And so uh, that's that's where we've just had a noble uh, kind of thing from Scott. He defended uh, someone who got beat up. He was kind to his ex and cared about her. But now we've got to get dark again. And yeah. we do get. And then it turns to violence uh, with being hit in the back of the head. And um, so Roxy uh, returns, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and you can tell that she is very uh, upset that. Uh, Ramona didn't really take her relationship seriously. She, Ramona says she was went through a, a phase, you know, and uh, Scott's a sexy phase. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's the setup punchline joke of I was a little bi-curious. Well, I'm a little bi-furious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to be fair, you know, this was really wrong of Ramona, you know, that she, she hurt this person in the same way Scott yeah. uh, hurt someone it's like to say to someone to them you were just a phase to me mm-hmm. you know that's just that's that's really bad hmm. um which is which is why it's kind of nice later on you know we've got to like basically have her be destroyed in this fight that's the rules but they do it in a nice way uh so um you know ramona uh pulls it's now it's now time for uh ramona to fight yeah and she pulls a giant sledgehammer out of her purse okay uh, this big for it, and uh, but but then the realization is that Scott has to actually do this fight, but he won't fight a girl, um, and good on him for that. But Ramona gets behind him and uses him, yeah, in almost a uh, improv moving bodies way to, <laughs> to, to fight. Yes, and uh, more of an improv martial arts moving bodies way because it's that's right very easy to move those bodies unlike unlike the the improv bit. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it can be very difficult to move moving bodies. <laughs> we are remembering a specific example in Seattle. I might be remembering a very pleasing time for myself. We can uh, we can refer you to an old episode of Sneaky Dragon to hear that discussed. <laughs> yep. uh, but it looks then like Scott's going to be uh, killed. He's also very depressed by all this. Like he is at a very low moment, so he is not fighting well mm. uh, because he's not actually fighting. But then, like he. He's like lying on the ground, and it looks like uh, uh, she's going to uh, kick him to death, like with a with a big raised uh, kick that's going to come down on him and be a, the finishing move. And your uh, BF's going to get effed in the B. <laughs> and, then, uh, uh, and then Ramona uh, gives him the clue. She was asking like earlier, like, is there any secrets I should know? Basically, he's asking for it's a boss level fight. How do I defeat the boss level? Anything like that would help me. And then she does give her the give him the clue of just like touch her behind the knee. Yeah. And so this is this is a uh, thing that um, affects her, uh, and basically she dies from uh, an orgasm. Yes. Which, yes. if you've got to go, <laughs> go big. Go big, and because uh, you, you do feel you do feel for her. You know, she was she was really hurt. She was more hurt than any of the other exes. Yeah. Uh, break up. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 she explodes into coins and, uh, and there, and there we go. And that's the end of, uh, of Roxy. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, it's really Scott's it's kind of hard on the exes uh, here too. Uh, they're 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 really. I mean, we'll reveal in a bit, but they're they're really as as big a dupes as Scott is in a way in this whole thing. It's they're just like pawns in a game that someone else is playing, and they're all they're all getting turned Possibly, into coins. Possibly though, Patel. There's no real reason for Patel to you know uh, start a fight that Scott. I mean, he is upset that Scott didn't know. Okay, that's fair. Patel's <laughs> a little sad. Lucas Lee is a jerk. Yeah. Lucas Lee gets other people to fight for him. Uh, he's jerk. He's it's fine with him dying. Uh, Brandon Ralph is uh, it's fine him dying because he punched uh, knives. So we got no problem with that. Yeah. That's hundred percent good with him being destroyed. Uh, Roxy, we feel a little bad for here, so she gets the orgasm death, which is okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then we're moving on to others soon that we'll get to, uh, which we don't really even really get to know them too much at all. Um, but uh, at the end of this fight, uh, Scott's upset about having to face off with the other exes, and uh, Ramona gives him a list of them. Uh, so he now that helps a little bit. Uh, and then she leaves because, you know, it's it's been an ugly situation. So off, <laughs> off they go. Like, are they broken up? Who knows? Uh, which takes us then to a band meeting. Uh, and the band is trying to decide uh, what to do to win their next battle of the band's gig. They're going up against, I'm going to get this wrong, uh, Kata Yanag- Yanagai, uh, who were played by uh, Keita Saito and Shota Saito. Yeah. Uh, Parrot twins. And we learned that Ramona dated them before. So, oh boy. So got, <laughs> you, know, you just can't, you twins. can't avoid this. Yeah. 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 So uh, we have a big battle of the bands. Uh, when they show up, they see there's like a poster. It's like, who's going on first? We're both going on at the same time. And they're going to play at the same time and try to defeat each other. Yeah. Uh, this is, again, a great idea for a scene that I've never seen in a movie before. It's uh, two bands playing and their music becomes monsters and the monsters fight yeah. in the middle of the uh, concert. Mm-hmm. And again, people are like, yeah, this happens. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this scene, how, of course, has... And fly through the air. Yeah. So the Japanese band in this case are the music was written by this uh, Japanese artist named Cornelius. Uh, so he wrote the music for this this uh, section of the film as well for the for the Japanese uh, twins. The uh, I think the I think that uh, Sex Bomb just plays Garbage Truck again or something like that, right? Did they play Garbage Truck Truck before this? Yeah, they played Garbage Truck at the, uh, at, the at the one with Crash and the Boys. They p- played Garbage Truck at that Battle of the Bands okay. as well. Okay, very good. Uh, so I'm just looking at what. Uh, uh, okay, uh, Kata Katayanagi. I'm yeah. looking at the meaning of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, what the name meaning? Oh, it's just a name, and so it's like describing, as in like Dave means da 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 da. Oh, okay. It means you take your life and responsibilities seriously. You're practical, intellectual, oh, and that... you seek understanding through intellect. Is that what Dave does, or what Katayanagi does? Katayanagi, the name. Oh, okay. Well, good for that name. Glad it takes itself seriously. So what's a name? Seems a very That's responsible name. Yeah. So we have the battle uh, between, uh, looks like a dragon and uh, almost a gorilla-like beast. Yes. Uh, as they uh, as they, they fight. The, t- and, the, Katani- uh, the Kataniagi twins create uh, twin dragons and the... Uh, oh, is it twin dragons? Yeah, there's two dragons. Well, then it's double dragons. Okay, double dragon like is in the, the game. Sure. Okay. And then, and then uh, the... the uh, uh, Sex Bomb create like a Donkey Kong like creature, right? 
I didn't even think of it as Donkey Kong, but yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The uh, video game they came out with for Scott Pilgrim. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. And our friend uh, Nina, uh, she likes this game. It's like something City Ransom. Oh, I forget what it is. But it's also very similar to um, uh, to Double Dragon, the the oh. Scott Pilgrim video game. Okay. Going along a street and then just beating people up as you go, something city ransom. Ah, I'm blanking on it. I apologize. Uh, but they made a very uh, fun little video game about it. So the idea of dr- double dragon definitely is not a coincidence that that's yeah, uh, the, yeah. there, but I didn't see the uh, donkey Kong aspect that does, uh, that does make sense. Well, if you think, yeah, if you're thinking in terms of video games, I think that's probably the most likely. And they're both, you know, not a million miles away arrow wise. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Scott is giving up. He's depressed. But then he sees that Ramona is there. Yeah. And Ramona's there with Gideon Graves, mm-hmm. played by Jason Schwartzman. Oh, so good. Uh, and is so told good. By, yeah, and is told by uh, Stephen Stills that, uh, yeah, that's her ex. Mm. And, uh, and now Scott's ready to fight. And <laughs> that's when they, uh, they end up defeating uh, Katayanagi. It's who they end up defeating. So they, they do. Uh, and uh, again, they explode into many, many, many coins. Yeah. Yes. And uh, they do so well that Scott gets an extra life that pops up by his head, just grabs it and puts it, puts it away. And we never think of that again <laughs> until we do later on. Uh, but these two, we don't really know much about her relationship with them. You know, by this point, we're just moving the movie along. Uh, they're very, very cool. Uh, this whole scene is very, very cool, and it uh, it works great. Uh, so they go out outside, and Scott tries to talk with Ramona, but uh, she, in almost a robotic way, yes. says she's decided to get back with Gideon. Uh, and uh, yes. you know, she goes, "I have decided to get back with Gideon." Beep boop. And uh, Gideon, uh, just full of smarm. Jason Ward's been so good. Man, so there's good. so many good people, so many good performers in this movie. It's such a great cast. Mm-hmm. Such a great cast, and what's nice about it too is like some of them are, and some of them aren't. But some, a lot of them are up and comers, so you get like Alan Chow, you know, uh, I think that's her name, Ellen, or Alan Wong, sorry, playing Nice Chow. I think I mixed up her name. Ellen, uh, Ellen Wong playing Nice Chow, mm-hmm. you know. And Later went on to do uh, Glow. Glow, yeah, yeah she's, she's like quite good in Glow, fun in Glow, and then Aubrey Plaza, of course, pretty yeah. early appearance by her. Anna Kendrick, another early appearance, I think. Like she Nelson wasn't doing that Franklin much. Nelson Franklin does a lot. Yeah. No. I don't know. I don't know him. He said his name, Nelson Franklin. I mean, he seems recognizable, but I, I wouldn't. I, I don't know him too well. But yeah, yeah. Like, I just feel like like a lot of people are just kind of like starting out in the, in this film. You know, like it's just really. Well, he here's the like, thing that uh, I mean, Jason Schwartzman, of course, has been around for a while, Rushmore and whatnot, but still. And Bill Hader is the voice over guy. Oh, okay. Thing. Um. So. But but here's the thing that Edgar Wright does, and he's done it since Space, is like, if you've got a line, it's a good line. Yeah. And you're going to be a character that you'll remember. Even if you've got one line where you'll come up and say something, <laughs> yeah. no one's wasted. No one's filling space. No one's just taking a ticket and go, thanks for the ticket. Like someone, It's a funny line. It's an interesting line. Something's going on. Yeah. If you've got a line, there's a reason you've got a line, and we will remember who you are. And so it's it's great for like later on because yeah you go like oh yeah that person I do remember them yeah uh, everyone's everyone's just got you, you think like everyone's doing their best but I think everyone's doing their best because they got something great to do yeah they just yeah. got such great scenery chewing <laughs> you know uh, t- parts ah so good 
Um, so, uh, yeah, Gideon says he wants to sign the, the sign with the band, but Scott won't sign. Uh, but the rest of the band decides to with, uh, young Neil taking Scott's place on bass. At which so, point, at which point he, uh, Scott dubs him Neil Young. Mm, young, uh, young Neil. That's right. Yeah. Now on you will be Neil Young. Uh, <laughs> Neil. Uh, and then, uh, Scott is, uh, just completely depressed. Uh, but, uh, Wallace talks him out of it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, at, w- at what point is, is Wallace telling him that he's got to move out? I'm trying to remember if that's there where uh, he tells him, like, you've got to go. You've got to, you know, even though he's at like his lowest point, you have to move. It's time for you to yeah, go. Yeah, I think it is there. Well, at least he reminds him of it because he did talk about it. By the way, a small thing that Wallace does that's fantastic is cook bacon. Yes. Like early on, you see him just cooking bacon and making proclamations, <laughs> and he will like gesture with his uh, spatula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sorry, flipper, whatever you would call it. There's a difference between a spatula and uh, a thing. Really? Uh, What's the difference? Uh, there is a difference. There's a difference between a spatula and a flipper. Mm. Is a spatula wider? These are, these are very good questions that I would look up if uh, it would not be loud. Okay, yeah, don't worry. I know, I know we've all seen Spatula City uh, in. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic's UHF, and it looks like that kind of spatula. I understand. I completely understand <laughs> that there's a... So it's a discussion. We'll carry on that discussion uh, in Sneaky Dragon. Okay. So go check that out. Go check out our next um, Sneaky Dragon podcast. We'll try and uh, talk that uh, talk that up. We'll make a note of it. I'm trying to bring it into this. And, uh, and Wallace, uh, I think at this point, like he's very... Uh, Scott's very depressed, and Wallace has two other guys in the bed with him. And, uh, and they're, they're both like, Scott, you gotta... We got to do something about this. <laughs> and, uh, and finally, like uh, he's told by Wallace, that you've got to go and, uh, and fight for Ramona. I forgot what was the, the move, but, but Gideon does something that like pushes him that one little extra thing. And, and uh, Wallace is uh, nosy and listening in on the phone and it goes, you've got to go kick his ass. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, we see uh, Scott put on his uh, shoes we have that montage of him just getting ready. Yeah, I just like that. puts in his jacket and ties his shoes. Yeah, and really take your time with the with the with the tying the shoes. It's great. Yeah, uh, run it runs out uh, to where Sex Bobomb is playing. Uh, goes goes in, uh, gives the password. The password I think is uh, you know, eh, or who cares or no. something like. Oh, the password. Yeah, the first one was whatever. Whatever. And the second one was. Uh, yep. Like okay, go in. Yeah, and so uh, now it's time for the big confrontation. Sex Bobomb is performing uh, there. Gideon is there on a uh, almost pyramid of stairs. Yeah, a raised platform. Yeah, suitable for a new god. Yeah, and tells him he's going to fight for, for Ramona because uh, he loves her. And uh, and then a sword comes out of his chest, and it says Scott Pilgrim has achieved the power of love, and pulls the giant flaming sword out, and it's time for a fight. And you see, like, uh, um, role-playing game style uh, that, uh, you know, his his stats go up around him. And then it's uh, the, the fight is going on. Uh, what, you, what he didn't know was that Knives was uh, there as well. And she, she comes out and fights uh, Ramona, which is a surprise uh, for Ramona. And in this uh, whole uh, battle, uh, he, he finally ends up revealing that he cheated on uh, on Knives with Ramona. Yeah. Uh, which kind of breaks breaks her heart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that Knives shows up not to save Scott, but to attack Ramona. <laughs> yeah. And while yeah. Uh, he's explaining to Ramona that 
he doesn't think he cheated on Ramona with knives. Yeah. That's when Gideon stabs Scott in the back. Yes. Yes. He dies. Yes. And uh, it's uh, very, very sad. We have a nice overhead shot. So this is where thing. this is where the movie and the book split, right? Because the the final graphic novel had not been completed at when they were preparing the script for the film. That is correct. They did have the extra life thing, though. So they both used that. Okay. And I think I think they did have I think they did have O'Malley's treatment though. So they had an idea what he was going to do, but I think they decided to do their own thing anyway. Yeah, they ran into a real Game of Thrones situation where they ran out of book. <laughs> yes. uh, and it was like, well, how do you want it to end? I'm like, oh, I guess like this. Uh, and I think they did do a nice job. Like I like the I, I'm not t- completely remembering how the book ends, Me. but I remember it was it was more of a fight fight ending. Uh, a more, less less an emotion based ending okay. and more a battle than trickery uh, and defeat and it was it's fine it's satisfying it's fine but I really like where they went with the movie so uh, so hmm. he uh, so he dies and he's in a I guess the afterlife which is a desert which is very much like the desert he first saw Ramona in and he's uh, depressed and he's alone and dead as he says. And uh, he kind of realizes the mistakes he's made in his life. Yeah. And uh, he's really fighting for uh, – Ramona is there. And they talk about, like, what he's learned and, and yeah. he's fighting for Great, if I wasn't dead. <laughs> and then he realizes, wait, he's got an extra life. And uh, grabs it, which teleports him to back to the apartment and uh, off to uh, redo this scene again, which is great. <laughs> like, you've, you've got that, like, he was going to, like – have another life, but you kind of expect, oh, it's going to activate in the club and he's going to pop back to life. You didn't expect that he was going to groundhog day it and, uh, and go through the whole thing. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He, he goes back to the club and uh, punches the uh, security uh, folks this time and uh, turns them into coins. Yeah, he doesn't Pretty bother cool. with the password. He's no time for that. Yeah. Straight to uh, business. I forget, I forget exactly uh, what uh, Nelson's character said. It was something about like, you know, the uh, comic's better than the book. And then it was like, uh, the book, is, I think I think he does say the book is better than the book, which is just a really weird, surreal thing. Yeah. Uh, and then um, the, he bursts in and apologizes, uh, first of all, uh, to um, to uh, Kim, you know, and uh, and then you see her yeah. stats go up because she's been acknowledged. Yeah, yeah. And her pain has been acknowledged that it was real and what he did was wrong. Yeah. And then compliments... Uh, Neil and uh, and uh, Neil Neil goes up. Every uh, they all get raised up by you know Scott being a better person. Yeah, and uh, it starts the starts the fight again. And for, this for time, different reasons, though, yeah, for different yeah, motives. Yes, this is the thing. And this is my favorite scene, movie, <laughs> um, which is where you know it's like you're going to fight me for her, says Gideon. No, I'm going to fight you for me. And uh, and and then a blue sword comes out of him. And Scott Pilgrim has earned the power of self-respect. Mm. It's like that's great. <laughs> what mo- what movie does that? Yeah, it's like before you can, you know, you've been hurting people because you had no self-respect. You know, you did, you know, and you've got to, you've got to have self-respect to be a better person, to be a better person to help those around you. And you know, in most movies, true love is enough, and uh, love will get you through it all. But if you're not a good person and you're in love, you're just going to keep hurting people. So it's just like oh, it's such a great 
uh, message that then continues later on in this in this movie as well with my second favorite uh, scene. <laughs> it's weird that that my favorite scenes in a movie are this late in the movie. Normally, oh, that's, that's good. No, that makes that's probably one reason why you like this film so much is that it ends so it went ends so. Uh... The ending is so he likes the ending so much, so it really stay it really has a fresh element. Yeah, it goes you. from being very very clever, yeah, uh, but also very emotionally true to actually having a point at the end. And it's so rare that a movie has a point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, they end up fighting. Knives shows up again, and that's when he talks to Knives and and tells her the truth and how this was all his fault and she deserved better. Yeah, and you know, and uh, we we also learn. Uh, that uh, Ramona, when she says like she can't control herself around him or whatever, oh, we learned this a little earlier one yeah. in Afterlife, that she's got a chip in her head. Yeah, she, she physically cannot uh, say no to uh, to Gideon. Yes, which oh, so dark, so incredibly. <laughs> but it ends with the three of them now going up against Gideon, mm-hmm. which which is just which is this great while Kim starts sex bomb uh, performing, going we're sex bomb and we're gonna. You know, watch Scott Pilgrim kick your ass. <laughs> and everyone is raised. And it's just such a great action scene, emotional scene. All the things the movie has been leading to happen here. Yeah. And how great is that in a movie? That that all happens. And apparently uh, Jason Schwartzman felt it would be in character for Gideon Graves to be wearing women's underwear. Mm-hmm. So he was. And during the fight sequence, his pants tore. <laughs> he was a little embarrassed. <laughs> Which wouldn't be the worst thing to see, but it may, <laughs> it may be that, you know, uh, trope of the villain is effeminate. Yeah, yeah, so no, no, that's not why he he didn't do that. He just yeah. felt like this guy would be all about comfort and yes. just about like, you know, like male underwear would be too too uncomfortable for him. He would rather wear something that was soft and silky. And uh, but so he just wore them as part of his character, you know. What I thought when I heard, first of all, that he was wearing women's underwear, I just assumed these are trophies. And so he wears a trophy. Oh, okay. To, okay. So it shows to make him feel, you know, better and know, you know, your thing. But, uh, but yeah, he ends up um, uh, fighting, fighting Scott and, uh, and then he, he gets cut and he starts spitting up uh, like blood uh, loonies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is great. Yes. And, that does and, he's, this and he's kind of weirdly uh, blinking in and out of existence while he's talking as well. Yes. He's uh, he's glitching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then says to him that uh, you know you're nothing, and I'm blowing up right now. And Scott says, "Yeah, you're blowing up right now," and uh, <laughs> kicks him and just shatters him into you know so many so many. Coins. I think he headbutts him, doesn't he? Oh, headbutts him. Sorry, and yeah, because he kicks uh, Brandon Routh. Yeah, right? yeah. One of the two. I think I for, I forget who he kicks and who he headbutts. Oh, maybe he headbutts Brandon Routh. Yeah, I think one of had, the two. I think he had his round, and then he kind of knees uh, Gideon in the in the in the chin. Okay. Uh, anyway, he explodes into many many coins. He does many many many. You many think coins. like, well, there we go. This is the resolution. Everything's fine, but wrong. Yeah. Look at his uh, glasses, and there's the image of him in there, uh, <laughs> saying that Scott now has to, you know, fight uh, fight his ultimate battle. And that's against Nega Scott, <laughs> which is perfect for video games because you at some point will always fight your uh, your evil twin. That's just a thing that happens. Like, okay. If you play Mortal Kombat, you're going to play eventually your Scorpion. You're going to play someone who looks just like you uh, on the other side. You're just yeah, going to. 
Yeah. You know, and so it works. It works in that. Uh, it works in that regard. It felt very true to video games, and and, and I love the resolution of it, which is, uh, you know, the next scene you see uh, Knives and Ramona uh, together, and they're waiting, and then Scott comes out with Nega Scott, and they're just talking about going out to get waffles. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and they yeah. get along because Scott has been denying his uh who he is for so long yeah and when he actually confronts who he is and accepts who he is yeah he's okay and he's happy and they're both happy and it's okay and it's just like that is such an amazing like again this is the kind of scene that is ridiculous and would be a very hard scene to pitch to anybody but it's just like yeah he he's accepted who he is yeah which which works with you know self-respect into actually accepting his dark side uh, and and there you go. And I love that scene. That's my second favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> is the idea that like you can actually look at the stuff you've done and not deny it anymore. You acknowledge it. You you accept it. Yeah. And yeah, you can actually almost be friends with it. I guess it's I, just so fantastic. I guess I don't want to say my favorite scene is the bread makes you fat scene, but uh, okay. Oh yeah, that's great. That's a good one. <laughs> so upset at the idea that bread makes you fat. <laughs> bread makes but, you fat. But to be fair. He will not remember that because he will just go into denial about bread making you fat. <laughs> yes, people have probably told him that before. So now we're getting into uh, kind of wrapping things up. Yeah. And Ramona says she's going to go off on her uh, way. Uh, and I think uh, this is the major difference between the two stories, isn't it? Oh, I, I'm not sure. I don't really remember. I think whether... in the book, in the book, it ends with Scott and Knives together. Ugh. And the movie. If I remember correctly, I mean, I might be wrong, but I seem to remember that's how it ended. Oh, that's uh, rough. <laughs> and in this version, Ramona and uh, and Ramona and Scott, uh, basically Knives kind of frees Scott. She says, you know, you should go and chase after her. That's who you, you know, that's who you, that's who you, you know, really need. And, and I'm too cool for you. Yeah, she's right. Like, this is the thing. Yeah. When she says to him, I'm too cool for you anyway. Yeah. She's right. Yeah, yeah, no, she is too cool. She, she is way too cool for him. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. too cool for him. Um, you know, and uh, she has like gained her self respect as well, mm-hmm. and she's a better person now as well. So that's uh, that's good. But I like what I like about it is it doesn't end with Scott and Ramona kissing. It doesn't end with them happy. Yeah, it ends with them taking a chance. Yes, and that's they're right. taking a, They're taking a chance that like. This might work. This might not. We might we might get hurt, but it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, you're right. And they go through the door, and we don't. And yeah, they go through the door into with what? the star in it, and we don't know and what. Then it, yeah, and then it depends up to continue. And, and <laughs> Countdown. Yeah, that's great. Well, playing the song Ramona that uh, Scott had written for Ramona that he played for earlier yeah. in the film during their date, and and he plays it for her. Then she goes, "That's great. I can't wait till you finish it. <laughs> finish it. <laughs> finish it." Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really, here's the thing. It's like, it's an ending that's clever, mm-hmm. but very quiet. Yeah. And, and, and you would think almost with a movie like this, that starts off with so much noise and action and animation and and it just, it ends just so soft mm-hmm. and like, let's just, let's just uh, give this a try. Let's give this a try. And it's uh, and it goes for the emotion at the end. Ah, oh, fuck! It's so good, so good. I love it. Um, and uh, you know, I was really looking forward to Edgar Wright's next movie, which again was 
I think until uh, the end of the world or the pub at the end of the world or something. There's a lot of end of the world movies going on. <laughs> and I thought that that movie was clever, yeah. but uh, I thought it, it got the emotions wrong at the end and the, uh, the lesson was wrong. I think it's called at and the world's end. Isn't it? Something like that? Sure. That sounds right. That sounds I right. And, uh, and, and it was, it was a shame because uh, he really pulled it off with like the previous two movies, uh, hot fuzz and, uh, and Shaun of the dead. And yeah. then with this, uh and uh I, I mixed baby driver's fine baby driver's fine i, I like it quite um, a bit but i can yeah see but uh but the, but these three to me are kind of the edgar wright trilogy that mm. i'm like oh <laughs> especially especially this i movie. like that it's not even a trilogy but the, the three films you like by him is maybe what you should say yeah yeah i know <laughs> that they go with it it's the cornetto trilogy and so yeah at the world's end is the third one but i'm like no let's put this one here instead <laughs> And, uh, and it doesn't have Simon Pegg in it, though. What's so so what? But isn't that what makes them the the trilogy? Is all all three films star Nick Frost and Simon Pegg? Is that you know? Are they a piece of a whole? Like the the three films written, written I, by Simon Pegg with with let, uh, Edgar Wright and. Let me tell you what I think is uh, the thing that <laughs> you would rather put them together thematically rather than. Uh... No, no, I've got a reason for this. Okay, uh, sure. honestly, I do. Um, well, you like I them think, better? Well, maybe, but but also <laughs> I've got a reason for it. All right. My reason is that I feel that um, uh, all three uh, definitely are the children of Spaced. Like uh, Shaun of the Dead is directly uh, comes from a zombie episode, uh, like a, a dream sequence that uh, started an episode of Space. Okay. And the things that they do in uh, in like Hot Fuzz, they you know um, the Nick is it Nick Frost is yeah, that his, that's his uh, Nick yeah. Frost, yeah Nick Frost is the military guy who cares about all things guns. And so that Mike. to me is hot. Mike. Mike, that's the hot, yeah, that's the hot fuzz. And so that element yeah. is definitely the child of, of space as well. But there's a video game element to, uh, and games element to space as well. And this, and also there's um, love as well in there and romance and some failed romances and doing the wrong thing and, and really embracing nerd culture. And that to me is this movie. Mm. So all three of these come directly to me from space and the stuff that they've established in space. When we get to World's End, I don't see, aside from the two leads and the director being the same, yeah. themes, uh, you know, uh, like the theme in the theme in World's End is uh, your best years where you were in high school uh, or in college or when you were younger, mm. and you're trying to recreate the past. Yeah. And then the world's falling apart around you. And none of that is really... Uh, a thing in, in, in space. There's some Arrested Development stuff, but I think the Arrested Development angles uh, uh, work better for um, Scott Pilgrim than they would for The World's End. It's like someone who is just emotionally keeping themselves wrapped in nerd culture so they don't feel anything and then being forced to be a better person and reach out and care about people's feelings. Mm -hmm. Whereas that is not a thing in World's End to me uh, or in Baby Driver. <laughs> so I would say, like, yeah, as uh, as as the children of Spaced, it would be these three films. Hmm. All right. You know, I'd say if you haven't seen Spaced, uh, see Spaced. It's very good. It's, it's very, on Amazon very... Prime right now, everybody. There you go. At least in Canada, but I imagine other places. Canada.ca. <laughs> Amazon.ca. Go to AmazonPrime.ca. Anything else you want to say about this uh, about this film? Um. No, I think I think we said everything we need to say about it. It's a very good movie. You would recommend people read the book? 
I would recommend. I think that they are of a piece, but I think that I think they're both they're both valid. Like I don't think one is better than the other. I have to get to the end of it though. I've I just um, Mary decided to to reread them and she collected them all together because they were in various different parts of the house for some reason. Uh, just I think because everyone was everyone at different times has been reading them and so one was in a bathroom. One, two were downstairs in the bookshelves. Three, two were in her room. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so then, so she collected them all together, and she was like, "Oh, Dad, you got to reread these because they're really good." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, I will." And then when we decided to do this, I was like, "Oh, I should have. Darn, I wish I'd reread them, but I was reading something different." So, so I tried to reread the. I tried to speed read through the first one, but I'm not very good at speed reading. I really like to. I like to linger over the pictures. One thing that makes me feel a little sad watching this movie is when they're sitting in Pizza Pizza, yeah, and uh, and you see out the window and you see Honest Owls, yeah, you go like that's gone, hmm. that's gone now. But it's such a Toronto thing, okay, that it's nice to have this uh, little thing that just marks time. Sure, sure. I'm just like there, yep, yeah, that's Toronto. That's always it's, part it, of the Toronto. It's our there. twin towers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, gone. honest owls, and then uh, Al Qaeda. Uh, <laughs> so strangely and ties so together. I could see a conspiracy thing. Watch, yeah, watch loose change. Everyone tells learn this, learn the truth. Well, of course, loose change ties into loonies and toonies. <laughs> turned into in uh, in this uh, movie. Uh, if you if you want to see uh, the cast reading it, there's a live. Uh, reading of it that they did recently as well for charity. Oh, cool! It's worth a uh, worth a watch. I've sent David the uh, uh, clip of that. I and don't I know. Will, if I'll put it on, on the website. Our, yeah, I'll put it on the that website. That would be uh, that would be lovely. And I also sent a clip of uh, them training, uh, doing uh, learning their musical instruments. Neat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a, that's the video that's on the uh, which is on the DVD. That oh, that, that's great. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I like to. We get to see like Chris to... Murphy of Sloan being his usual goofy self. And I like uh, I like uh, Sloan because I used to work on a show called Street Sense, and because they were operating out of Halifax back then in the '90s, uh, they were our go-to band when we uh, had to do something of like, uh, how do you start your own band? Where how do you buy an amp? Where do you get cheap guitars? <laughs> and so it was like, uh, we got Sloan. Yeah, get them on the. It was almost he had Sloan on speed dial. <laughs> so they wow. were uh, very generous with their time and helped us in the show, and have always been very sweet people. Mm. So uh, that's uh, that's nice. Sure. Nice that uh, you know. And it, hey, listen, if you're out there and you have not heard uh, Sloan, yeah, then uh, by gosh, uh, listen to some Sloan. And I don't know if we've shouted this out enough, uh, but Beck uh, wrote most of the songs in this. And uh, well, he wrote. He didn't write. He wrote the songs for. Um... For sex a sex bomb, yeah, he did not. He did not write most, the songs for other people. No, but that means he wrote most of the songs because the sex bomb songs there's, are ones that you hear more often. Yeah, than, I guess. But there's there's only three songs. <laughs> is that right? Because I've got the I've got both of the albums, the soundtrack, okay, yeah. and the uh, you know the other one. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of. Be- I guess they repeat sometimes, and Beck actually performs them. Anyway, what I'm saying is, <laughs> if you've got one of those things where like, uh, yeah. hey, I can listen to any album at any time. You could do worse than listening to the Scott Pilgrim uh, soundtrack. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, it's got, like I said, it's got, got uh, a couple of guys, Brendan Canning, and I can't remember the other guy's name from Broken Social Scene, writing songs as well as uh, Emily Haynes and Metric. And then it does have Beck on it as well. And then and then I believe they fill out some of the uh, time with some Canadian classics, some Toronto stuff. Like you said, Plum Trees on there, the, the yeah. all-girl kind of punk band from the... the 80s, I guess, or are they 90s? I don't. I don't really know them very well. I don't know Plum Tree. They never listened. They never came. Yeah. They never kind of 
broke out in a big way. They're a big Toronto band, but that was it. Yeah, you can listen to uh, their song Scott Pilgrim and there see where the heck this name uh, this name came from. It's go. weird how much uh, this <laughs> this really does feel like a Canadian movie, though it's not a Canadian movie. Mm. You know, it's like it's almost all Americans. It's directed by someone <laughs> from the UK, yeah. but it but they get Canada right. But Michael Cera is little... Canadian. Yeah, Ellen Wong is Canadian. Okay, then there we go. It's fine then. Mark Webber's Canadian. Then it's all good. It's all Canadian. <laughs> I just mean that they do have a few Canadians in the cast, so that's, that's yeah. Good. They they get the tone right. They get the feel right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's not a lot of people going, "Hey, geez, eh, what's going on? Oh boy, you're not here. Oh, geez, let's have a beer and uh, sit down and talk about their feelings, eh? Oh, geez. Oh, you got hurt, eh? Well, thank goodness we got the health care. That's nice. Boy. Oh, by the way, I did like him uh, having the shirt that said SARS. Yes, that was, yes, that was great. That was back when we could have uh, funny COVID jokes. Yeah, you have fun about that stuff. You know, you're kind of seeing, hey, what will shirts look like in the future? <laughs> similar, similar gags. Well, uh, <laughs> and he also wears a CBC shirt that I have. So I was like, I was very happy to see that. That was also very, very Canadian. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Brian Lee O'Malley uh, acted as consultant for the film as well. So at least he could be there to keep things authentic and to true to his experiences. Yeah, uh, that kind of led to Scott Pilgrim. I have gotten to meet him a little bit, mm. and he's a he's a nice fella as well. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm w- good on him. And read some of his other books, like uh, Seconds is another book by Brian Leo Malley. That's pretty good. And, Lost at Sea is very good. Yeah, and you can get them at your local library or a bookstore. Buy a bookstore. It. Yeah, or a bookstore. Go, Why to, not? go, go to, to a bookstore. go to a big bookstore and buy it, eh? Oh geez, yeah. Oh yeah. Friggin', uh, we get the books in uh, Canada for free, eh? Because oh, like sure the government do, eh? oh, just yeah. goes like, "Hey, I'd like to read. Uh, I'd like to read Lord of the Rings." And like, uh, knock knock, what happened? Oh geez, a dog brought it to me. <laughs> and, uh, now I get to read it. That's good and then choice. you gotta like, you cover it in bacon, and then you put it back on the stoop, and then a crow <laughs> takes it, and then uh, takes it away, and then uh, when you're done, <laughs> that's how books work in Canada. They're all delivered by a golden re- rereader. Uh, so, oh boy, <laughs> go tell us, tell people, tell me as well how we can reach you. All right, uh, by me, you mean yourself as well? Notice uh, you, we, just you. I don't, I'm not, I don't, okay. I don't bother reading. All if stuff. you want to tell us your opinions on things, we have we have now started reading the letters after every few episodes uh, because hey, you know, you've been writing us some nice letters and they deserve to be read. Here's <laughs> how you do that. Uh, go to our website, sneakydragon.com, which is the website of our other podcast, Sneaky Dragon. And every episode of any of our podcasts uh, are there. Underneath each of them is a message board and you can just post uh, what you want there. It couldn't be simpler. Or here's the thing you could do is you could uh, email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Sneaky D at sneakydragon.com you could go to facebook we're at sneaky dragon uh we're on twitter a sneaky underscore dragon and tumblr sneaky dragon dot tumblr dot com do all of those things and if you want to listen to our other podcast we do one called sneaky dragon where it is david and i uh basically catching up on the week and pop culture and our lives and you know it's almost impossible to explain but uh, we just <laughs> we just did uh, an all letter episode of uh people asking us questions and as i say that episode is six hours and 45 minutes you might want to pace yourself listening to that one most of them are less than that (laughs) dave also does another podcast speaking of music which we have been through this episode and why don't you tell us about that one dave uh 
I do, I do a podcast called Sneaky Dragon Listening Party that I do with my daughter, Mary. We uh, listen to mixtapes that I made for Sneaky Dragon listeners. We listen to the music and we talk about the music. And we've been, uh, last couple of shows, we've been doing top five song lists, which are a kind of fun way of putting together songs based on themes. And uh, so I'm hoping that we get some listeners writing to us with their top five songs. We've had a few already. And uh, yeah, write in and we'll uh, talk about your top five songs on the next episode. Now, uh, Scott Pilgrim was a Canadian uh, comic book graphic novel, and uh, David and I also do uh, comic books and graphic novels in Canada, along with uh, our friend Nina Matsumoto. And the uh, the books that we do are an all-ages all uh, series of books. I say series. There's two of them that are out. <laughs> the second one isn't out until August 1st, but... Probably when you're listening to this, it'll be uh, it'll be out, uh, and they're called Sparks. So there's Sparks, and then there's second book, Sparks Double Dog Dare. Technically for children, technically from Scholastic, technically I write it, technically Nina draws it, technically Dave colors it, technically we've won some awards. Yeah. Um, on the first one, the second one isn't out yet, so it's one buckus. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, you can get them at uh, your local uh, bookstore. You can get them at your library. You can get them at your local uh, uh, evil empire uh, Amazon type thing. Yeah. Uh, Amazon.com and or Amazon.ca if you want to recreate that Scott Pilgrim experience. Yes, there you go. And I do another uh, comic book that's uh, coming out digitally from Image called Exorcisters with Giselle Legacy. The first collection um, is Exorcisters uh, Damned If You Don't. About uh, two sisters who might not be sisters who uh, uh, help people who have uh, sold their souls to the devil. Oh, I didn't even mention what Sparks was about. It's about uh, two two cats that want to be heroes. No one takes cats seriously as heroes, so they dress up as a dog and they save the world from an evil alien baby. What's the second book about? Well, you'll have to see. It's a secret. <laughs> we'll find out that later. Anyway, so Sparks, Sparks, uh, Double Dog Dare, Exorcisters, uh, 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 Damned If You Don't. Those are uh, books that we do, and they are available uh, out there. So go go get them. You can also, if you feel like it, uh, throw us a couple of bucks via uh, via Patreon. Uh, which, if you go to SneakyDragon.com. Wow. for sure, that was uh, advertising itself as Canadian. Then you pronounce via as via. Boy, oh, boy. oh I, I don't know. Well, I have a via card <laughs> uh, that's overdue, and I need some money to pay for it. Uh, but you can go there, and we have a Patreon, or you can go to Patreon.com. And, uh, slash Sneaky Dragon, or you can go to the Patreon app and enter Sneaky Dragon. Either way, uh, a couple of bucks a month helps us out and uh, keeps things going and gets you all these podcasts that are otherwise free, including our back catalog of 450 episodes of Sneaky Dragon, of uh, one we did about the Beatles, one we did about Tintin, one we did about Marx Brothers, all of that available to you, free, if you pay us or not, but if you want to, uh, go to Patreon and do that. And huh. that brings us to the end of this episode of Fansplainers. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We talk about, uh, again, one of my favorite movies. Uh, so this has been fun for me. Okay. How have you been, Dave? Oh, I like this movie a lot, too. I, I have the metal case version of it. So <laughs> Excellent. It's all heavy metal songs. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. It's a little bit different. Everyone wears Kiss Makeup. So uh, hopefully we'll be back seeing movies in a movie theater when things are safe. Yay. But until that time, we will be going uh, through more back uh, films of stuff that is streamable. So please uh, write us with your suggestions of uh, films you'd like us to talk about, and we shall do that. Um, I have been Ian. I have been David. 
And uh, that has been uh, your Canadian movie corner, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> uh, bye. Bye, everyone. Pilgrim, it has come to my attention that we will be fighting soon. My name is Matthew Patel, and blah, 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 blah. Fair warning. Mono Imano, seven evil, blah, blah. This is. This is. This is. What? This is boring. Delete.